Awesome. I kind of want to hear it. Well, that's what I was like. I kind of want to hear that. Do the headphones? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I got these, but then I all I have is like earbuds. Gotcha. So, so what, what do the headphones do? It, no, it's noise canceling? Uh, the headphones just kind of make it nicer if you're like... Oh, you can kind of like hear yourself and then just to make sure that it's picking up what it's supposed gotcha. to. But I've kind of mastered like the whole like getting the gain right and everything. So gotcha. we should be cool. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, yeah. Thanks for doing this. No, this thanks, for, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> Random Millennial Thoughts, episode four. Uh, it's my buddy Seth right here. Uh, he's had quite a life, you know. Started off as a farmer. Uh, became a, a, a military personnel. Did, you and know. that was an oil tycoon of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say that. Yeah, yeah. It's been quite the journey. It has. Yeah. So when you see the world we live in now where, you know, organic is kind of like a brand more than like actual like substance um, of a product, you know, and you growing up on a farm and like making your own food essentially. Sure. Uh, like, how do you see that, you know? it's it's all about money you know i mean it's now growing up on the farm we didn't necessarily you know we still went grocery shopping right you know but uh definitely had a garden you know definitely had uh um had substance that way but you know the whole organic thing is uh if you slap organic on it you Mm -hmm. know you can charge twice as much and people are going to buy it because i think you know but the truth behind you know organic food is just that it's you know most of the time it is just a label Mm -hmm. you know because uh um it's it's uh and it's a process to get approved to be an organic farmer too you know so once you you know so there's some money involved up front in, in becoming an organic farmer but uh once you're there you, you can charge more for your product and you know make more money but yeah it's it i mean i'm sure there are benefits i don't know i'm not a doctor i'm sure it's healthier it's healthier to eat uh you know eat something that's uh got you know less uh chemicals in it or no chemicals in it mm-hmm. you know um but uh, you know, as far as I definitely make a conscious effort in a grocery store, you know, to right. find things that are maybe not necessarily organic, but I look at the labels, right. you know. But well, that's the big thing. People look at like the nutrition label, yeah. And really, what you gotta look at is the ingredients, yeah. You know, yeah. Because it, it goes in order from like what's used most to make the product to what's used least. Yep. And so, if the first thing on your product is high fructose corn syrup, then like, yep. And they, I, I guess the rule of thumb is what stay stay away from the center of a grocery store and work work the, you know the perimeter because that's where the the, the least you know processed food is mm-hmm. and that's where the better food's at. But you're exactly right. They said if bread has more uh, bread has more than six ingredients, don't buy it. You know, <laughs> you pick up a loaf of bread and it's got thirty ingredients, you can't pronounce ninety percent of them. Right. You know what are you eating? Right. Right. You know it's funny. We had a get together at work and we had these uh, hamburger buns. Mm-hmm. Nobody ate. There was a leftover pack. And I wanted to see how long, you know, I just kept, I looked at them every day, been there since October. There's still no mold on them. Yeah. And they've been outside, you know, so that just goes to show you what, what you're eating, you right. know, preservative wise. So, yeah. And there's such a difference too, especially when you talk about meat, you know. Like oh, yeah. Like the meat you would get from an animal, like straight from the animal versus sure. the stuff that you get that's pre-packaged. Yep. I mean, it's such a vast difference. It is. And that's why I go to, well, you do too. You go to Dumas Duma, to get your meat. Yeah. In fact, I just picked my deer up from Dumas nice. uh, on Friday. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, you go to the grocery store and those, you know, those packaged things of chicken and, mm-hmm. you know, with the plastic, you know, they've got some sort of a gas in there to help preserve it, mm-hmm. you know, but if you go to, you go to your local butcher, you know, they, they sell it the, that day or the, you know, the day after and they check, you know, they, there's no preservatives, you yeah. know, and it's fresh. So you, there's definitely something to be said about, you know, about, uh buying meat outside of the grocery store right so. and it's like the way it makes you feel 
Yeah. Like, there's not a lot of conscious, like, awareness about how food makes you feel after. Sure. Where a lot of people tend to think, like, like their question is, does it taste good? Yep. But they don't even factor in, like, is this going to benefit me? Is this going to knock me out for the rest of the day? Yeah. Like, none of that other stuff gets considered. I, ju- I just consider how long did it take to get where it's at? You've yeah. got to think, by the time that, that animal dies, and then you mm-hmm. get that meat, and it's sitting on the, on, you know, on the shelves... And it's got to wait for someone to buy it, and it's got an expiration date on mm-hmm. it. You know, that's that's a pretty significant amount of time, right? You know, but whereas if you go to the local butcher, or, you know, if you or you know, certain grocery stores cut their meat fresh too. Um, but uh, I'll pay a little bit more for it, absolutely. Uh, which you're not at Dumas, by the way. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll pay a little bit more for it if, uh, if if you're getting a better product. I look at all my labels. In fact, I, I'm kind of. I make people at work frustrated because if I see them eating something, I say, you know, there's high fructose corn syrup in that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can buy it without, you know. Right. And they, they say, what, you know, what do you care? And I said, well, think of all the cancer we have, you know, what all the diseases. All the diseases I mean, yeah. And it's just, if you can limit it, it's definitely mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Especially something like cancer. Like, cancer's new, you know. Like, it, it's not like a disease that humans had uh, through the development Sure. You know, it's, it's more of like a new age disease because of all the bullshit that we consume. Yeah. You know. Well, they've done, haven't they done studies where they took aborigines or, you know, these, uh, uh, you know, from Australia or, you know, from uh, up in Alaska or Canada, you know, some aboriginal, mm-hmm. you know, people and they put them on a Western diet and they, they uh, slowly became obese. Mm-hmm. And I think they, uh, they got diabetes and they just, yep. they started getting tooth decay. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they put them back on their local, you know, diet, you know, that sort of trans, you know, kind of, uh, you know, they, uh, the diabetes went away, right. you know, and their, you know, their teeth got better. And it's mm-hmm. just, so, yeah, it's definitely a Westernized thing. But I mean, how do you feed millions of people and people, uh, devalue farm farming, you know, more and more every year, you know, because Which people go so to, shocking. people go to a grocery store and there's food. They don't think about how it got there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, there's going to be a point where people are going to be more dependent on the government for food mm-hmm. and the farmers are being, you know, being phased out because, you know, property taxes are going up. Uh, the price of beef, the price of milk, the price is, is going down, but the cost of fertilizer and the cost of fuel and everything that it takes to, to, to make that product is going up. So, you know, it, they're putting farmers out of business and there's going to be a point where, you know, they're going to, Farming is going to be a pretty valuable uh, right. asset, you know, skill to have at some point. How was it when you were growing up? Like, was it more like, like what farmers were producing would just get out? Was it like profitable business to be a farmer? Um, or is it more of like a break even? There's been, you know, there's trends, you know, so there's, uh, you know, growing up, you know, because milk prices are... Uh, dependent a lot on uh, obviously you know the market, but it's a government subsidy as well. So mm-hmm. um, you know there I remember times growing up where where milk prices were really good and and the farm was doing okay. And I remember times where milk prices were really really low and uh, the farm wasn't doing okay. Mm-hmm. And the same with you know corn. Corn used you know I've seen corn when it was good it was up over eight dollars a bushel and now corn is barely two dollars a bushel. Mm-hmm. You know and that that's the problem that came in when when you know Gov- Governor Kasich. You know, uh, you know, adjusted the property tax, you know, uh, rate. You know, he he did it, ba- you know, based on eight dollar corn. You know, well now when corn's two dollars and you've tripled your, you know, your property tax rate, you know, how how do you where, where do you make up the difference? You don't, you know. So you mm-hmm. have to take from somewhere else on the farm to try to try to help, or you just go in debt. You mm-hmm. know, so there's there's trends. Yeah. You know, when it's good, it's good. It's and when it's bad, it's bad. It's feast or famine. You yeah, know? it seems like there's never any any in between with farming. Yeah, yeah. Huh. But it, I was a dairy farmer, you know, yeah. so everything that we did, uh, you know, crop wise was for, you know, the animals. So, you know, uh, the corn and the hay and, and, and the beans, everything was put back into the farm. So we really didn't sell 
corn as a commodity or beans as a commodity, we used them as substance for the animals. And if there was some left over, then we would sell it. But it wasn't solely dependent on, you know, commodity prices, mainly milk as a commodity, not grain. So kind of a different than grain farming, but still similar. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So how is it like putting animals down? How was it putting animals down? Yeah. Uh, Just, I mean, part of everyday life. Well, it's so odd that some people are like, so afraid or like they just don't like the idea of killing animals but then they'll eat meat well that's like pre-packaged right and it's not and it's not like it's this vindictive move you know where you're it's a it's no malicious intent you're not just going out and just you get pissed off one day you're just gonna pick out an animal i'm gonna gonna kill you you know it's uh it with me growing up it was if, if if a cow had a broken hip or if she was paralyzed or if she was you know um you know sick you know, and and you couldn't sell her, and you couldn't butcher her because she had antibiotics or she had penicillin mm-hmm. or she had something where you know you couldn't eat her. Well, the humane thing to do is to put her down. Right. You know, so if, to me, it was something that we just if it had to if you had to do it, you did it. You know, yeah. there wasn't any, you know. But I can see where somebody who didn't grow up farming right. and they, you know, if you said you got to shoot that cow, yeah. you know, I can see how that psychologically that's kind of a big deal. But when you, it's the same thing when you grow up with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up on a farm, so there's a lot of things about living in the city. That freak me out. Like what? Like living next to people. Yeah. I can't go piss off my back porch. You know, I got you know, I got to use my bathroom. You know what I mean? I could piss off my back porch, but neighbors wouldn't like I it very much. I say, I mean, you get a little show, you know? Well, I'll give you a story. I was, uh, there's a groundhog lives in my backyard. Mm-hmm. And back home, I just pull out my gun and shoot the groundhog, you know? Because ground, I mean, disclaimer, groundhogs are a nuisance. You know, they're not pets for you city slickers out there. But, uh. And so I'm like, I gotta get this thing because it's tearing up my backyard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you can't shoot a gun within the city limits, so I took right. my bow and arrow outside. Nice. Yeah. So I'm stalking this thing, right? Mm-hmm. And the old neighbor lady comes outside, scares the groundhog away, and says, "I checked, and you're not allowed to shoot those things in this neighborhood." You know, it's just some small things like that. You yeah. Know, I'm, I'm used to being able to shoot my gun off my front porch. You know, as redneck as that sounds, uh, and obviously living in the city, you've got eyes on you all the time, mm-hmm. and it's sort of it's it's different. It's a different culture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. how was it hunting? Have you ever like been hunting for deer and stuff like that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up hunting. You yeah. know, it's just it's. Uh, I guess a lot of people have uh, the whole Bambi complex. You know, you don't right. want to shoot Bambi, but it's not like that. I mean, hunting it's regulated. Mm-hmm. You know, there's. Um, I'm sure I don't know if you've ever been unfortunate enough to hit a deer with your car. You know, but if uh, if hunting ceased, I mean, you'd have a lot more of that, mm-hmm. you know, and the population would grow. And so it, it's just population control. Mm-hmm. You know, it's limited. You just can't shoot as many deer as you want. Um, yeah, I grew up deer hunting. You know, I just, just shot one, you know, last uh, weekend before last, you know, um, just to put meat in the freezer, you know. And it, it's, it's leaner than beef. It's got more protein than beef. And uh, it's cheaper, you know, all around. So it's pretty good. I should have brought you some deer sticks. We could have eaten them here while we were talking. <laughs> it's good. It's good stuff. It My is. buddy brought venison. Oh yeah, in November, and it was fantastic. Venison. You now know. you're ta- you're talking another touchy subject there. Yeah. You know, because those are just yearlings. You know, yeah. those are just babies. Right. So, well, but, life eats life. Yeah. And I think that we forget that sometimes because we are so disconnected from where our food comes from. Yeah. We show up into a really nice place that's like. You know, it's built for consumerism. Oh, everything's consumerism. So when you walk into a grocery store, everything's nice and neat and clean and, and, 
a lot of people just don't see where all that comes from. Sure. You know, and then they see where it comes from in documentaries and they think it's this horrible thing. Yeah. But it's life eats life. Life will always eat life. Yeah. And that's how it keeps going. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you know, a couple hundred years ago, I think in, in, in the late 1700s, you know, I mean, 90% of the occupation, I think 96% of the occupations in the United States was farming. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, that's a long time ago, and that's kind of a given. You kind know. of though, like if you looked in the grand scheme of like human evolution, it's not at all. No, not you at know, all. but yeah. in in our lifetime, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then and then you look at you know, I mean, what did how did we used to do it back when we were you know just primitive? I mean, you hunted, you know, you gathered, you know, it's what the Aborigines do now. Mm-hmm. We've just gotten to the point where you know there's a price tag and a label on everything, and people. I mean, we're just totally. And you talk about you know random millennial, you know millennial thoughts, millennials, you know are, are the I think at the worst. They're the most disconnected. Yeah, I mean, because sure. I mean, you've had uh, you know an instant gratification since the time you were born. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, well, I, I guess we were that generation. We sort of had that. Uh, we, we we were still around before you know cell we, phones. We got, like we were like playing tug of war. Yeah, yep. we were on the last pool yep. before we finally got sucked into but, but instant we, gratification. But we remember playing with you know playing outside, outside and, and yeah. you know being hands on yeah. before there was a tablet put in front of us. I was just having the conversation with my stepdad the other day. Um, my stepbrother, um, you know, has a bunch of kids. I had a bunch of kids, three or four kids, mm-hmm. and for Christmas he bought everybody a tablet. Mm-hmm. And that's a guy that grew up farming, just like mm-hmm. me. But you know, he has children, and you can see, you know, how you know, his parents evolve. You know, with with the times. I mean, you've got a six year old kid, and you know, my nephew on a tablet. Six years old. What do you need to be on a tablet as a six year old? I got a story for you, man. I'm at work the other day, right? <laughs> yeah. And this guy comes in with his daughter. His daughter was like two or three, couldn't speak yet. Okay. She picks up a tablet on her on her own, yeah. goes to the app store, downloads an app, and starts playing a game. Are you serious? Couldn't even speak a full sentence yet. I mean, she could do a little bit like dad and things like that. Right. But she couldn't say a full sentence. But she knew how to find go what app to go to, what she wanted, downloaded it, and started playing it. You know? Dude, imagine that, imagine that girl, that little girl, you know, 15 years from yeah. now. Dude... The first cell phone I ever had was a senior in high school, mm-hmm. and it was it didn't even have a camera on it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, it, w- computers I could care less about a computer growing up because I, you know, it just it wasn't as a integral part of right. everyday life. You didn't have to have a computer for work. You didn't have to be on the internet. You know, universities and schools weren't connected. You know, online at that point either. So there wasn't a need to be online at home. But imagine having. That kind of technology has a two years old, you know, right. never knowing anything different. How crazy would that be, you know? And that's what we're, what people are growing up with now. And what's really scary is when, like, parents can't, can't like, control their kids. Yeah. And they give them the tablet as a distraction. Yeah. It's kind of like what our parents would do with, like, TV. candy or something. Or the TV. Or the TV. TV yeah. is really big. Like, my grandma was so adamant that during the day we were at her house because yeah. she lived out... You know, in the woods. Sure. And she's like, you know, if the sun's out, you're going to go outside. Yeah. And then nighttime is the time for, like, TV. A little bit of TV, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same um, thing. And I'm so happy she instilled that in us because, right. like you said, we are we were on that teeter-totter position where, like, TV was there and computers kind of started becoming popular. It was, like, in every home. It was building up to that. Sure. Yeah. And... But we weren't all the way in there yet. Yeah. You know, we weren't to the point where we have computers in our pockets you yet. Didn't, you didn't have both feet in yet. You know? Yeah. And that's, you're exactly right. But, you know, going out and, I mean, there were times where I'd disappear all day. I'd go outside 
I'd leave, you know, as soon as I got ready and got out in the morning. It's when I was little. I was probably, you know, six, mm-hmm. seven, eight years old. And I'd disappear until it got dark and come back. My parents didn't care. You know, mm-hmm. he was out playing. Yeah. You know, if he didn't come back, well, maybe I guess it'd be one less mouth to feed. I don't know what their <laughs> thoughts were. But, but, yeah, I can't imagine having. But then at the same time, there's a there's a, something to be said about keeping your kid from technology to, in today's day and age. And then they're going to be behind, you know, in school, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, I think we have to start teaching balance. Yeah. I don't think we've taught media literacy, and we haven't taught balance. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with having a smartphone, but it's there is something wrong with being on it all the time. Sure. And there's definitely something wrong with um, getting your self-worth from it and your self-esteem from it based yep. off if you get likes or retweeted or whatever. Yeah. How many kids are growing up, and that's what they base their self-worth on is what other people's comments and likes and perceptions are of them. Have you ever seen that show on Netflix called Black Mirror? No. Oh, dude. There's an episode. It's, it's it's right along the lines of what we're talking about here. It's it's almost... You remember the old Twilight Zone? Mm-hmm. Well, Black Mirror is sort of like the new... I mean, it's kind of like a new spin. I think it's British broadcasting or okay. something, so everybody has access. But there's an episode where literally every... You know how right now, like, your credit score right now determines everything, whether you can buy a car, a house, you yeah. know? Well, this is... How many, you know, how well you're liked. So if you came up and we interacted and you had to make me like you and then I would rate you. Every time we interacted, I would rate you but based off how many, you know, you know, stars or whatever. And basically, whatever circles you ran with, whatever you were able, apartments you were able to get into, it was all based off of how well others liked you. And it, I mean, it's totally, it seems totally oh. asinine, but really it falls right along the lines with social media today. Yeah. Like you said, you know, how, how do we feel, you know, how we feel based on, you know, people liking certain things on Facebook. Well, that show there sort of, you know, sort of a Twilight Zone spin on, you know, uh, a real life, you know, scenario that it's, it's crazy. I just, I Recommend assholes. <laughs> yeah, or you just hide them. <laughs> you know, one or the other. I like telling people how it is. Yeah. If you don't like me, then that's great. We well, can move a, on. There's a difference between being an asshole and being straightforward. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, mean, I if, tend to if, lean toward being an asshole, <laughs> but that's a choice. <laughs> that's a choice. <laughs> there's definitely a balance with that too, though. And yeah. It's just. It's like mind blowing, and yeah. it, it's it makes it so interesting to see what's going to happen. Like, what's the result? Because we're in the middle of solving the problem right now. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see what the result is. Are we going to grow up, or not grow up, are we going to be in a world where, like, we value communication through technology more than actual interpersonal communication? Oh, 100%. You know? And that's 100%. where it is now. Like, me and my girlfriend were out to eat last weekend. And I just got off work, and my phone was almost dead. It's only like 5%. So yeah. I was like, I'm just going to leave it home, let it charge. Right. So we go in the restaurant, and, you know, my girlfriend's not one to sell on her phone either. And we're, you know, just having a nice conversation. And yep. to the right of us was an older couple, probably like in their 60s, did not say a single word to each other. Yep. And was just sitting at a restaurant on their phones. That's crazy. And it's so interesting to see the flip. Yeah. You know, because, like, when we first started using this stuff, yeah, we were so sucked into it. Because it all starts from the younger generation, and then the parents want to be a part of it. Sure. And then once the parents are a part of it, the grandparents feel left out. So then, no, they wouldn't be a part of it. No, you're exactly right. You know, that's right. where Facebook is now. Yep. You know, Facebook started off with college kids. Yep. And then it was like, all right, well, it can go outside of college kids. So now it's like high schoolers. Exactly. And, you know, like upper 20s, lower 30s. And then the parents get on. And oh, yeah. now, you know, how many grandmas are on Facebook now? Yeah. Dude, it's funny you say that because I remember... I remember a time, you know, back in high school where I got, you know, I, if I wanted something, I had to pay for it, basically. Mm-hmm. There was no way 
my stepdad was giving me a cell phone. He thought that was the dumbest thing ever. We've got a landline. What do you need a cell phone for? Yeah. You know, this was in like the early 2000s. Yeah. And so I got a cell phone. He was dead set against it. Dead set against it. Um, and then I graduated from high school, went to college. And I was on Facebook because that was a time where you had to have a .edu in yep. order to be on Facebook. And 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 you, if you tried to explain social media to your parents back in 2005, 2006. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but now I, I bought him. My, my stepdad probably 2010 is about when, when he got his first cell phone. Mm-hmm. And then now he has a Facebook. Mm-hmm. And now he has a tablet. And every time I go over to his place, hey, i got to show you something. Yep. Hey, i got to show you something. You know, look what I found on YouTube. And it's like... You know, so how we were back in 05, 06 yep. is how they are now. And then, uh, and you're right. I mean, they're, you know, I saw the same thing the other day. We were at, uh, took Gwen to, uh, um, to uh, Longhorn for some steak for Valentine's Day because I'm, I'm a good guy like that. And, uh, <laughs> there's this woman over there and the whole time she's holding her phone up like this. And we waited in line 45 minutes. She was on the, her cell phone the whole time, mm-hmm. you know, with her reading glasses on, you know, just. Well, it's like a security blanket. It's yeah. like a social security blanket. If, you know, before when you'd walk into a room, you didn't know anybody. You're kind of forced to interact yeah. and just be in the moment and be there. Sure. And now when people get like that nervous feeling, they just pull their it's cell like, phone just pull out. out my phone. Yeah. Oh, I'm busy. I'm busy. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you think about how interconnected we are now. I mean, on this cell phone, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I love technology. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not an avid. I mean, you know, probably a hundred times more about technology than I do. But as far as like myself, I mean, you you know, Apple Pay, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, you know, email, everything at your fingertips. Before, when you had a computer that was this big, it didn't do half of what this cell phone can do. You the know, best meme I've ever seen. Yeah, and I really wish I could. I could probably find it, but um, it was a picture of like a map. Oh yeah, a video recorder. Um, like a not an audio recorder, but like yeah. What am I? What's the term for it? An audio, you talk about just an old stereo, kind of. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's just a bunch of. It was an alarm clock. It was yeah. all this stuff, and then it was like today. It's just your phone. Yeah, it's your phone. Whereas before, it filled the whole room. Yeah, it filled the whole room. It was thousands of dollars worth yeah. of uh, worth of product. Where this, I mean, that's about a thousand bucks, but right. you get so much out of it. Oh yeah, and it's, it's awesome. It's odd that we refer to these still as phones. I never thought of that because it's, that's just one feature. Well, and Apple, I think it wasn't Apple like the the very first to to like pull the you know we're gonna have your email mm-hmm. we're gonna have you know an audio player yeah. and we're gonna have it also a mm-hmm. phone is it when they unveiled the first iPhone wasn't that essentially pulling all those mediums together they were the first to be successful okay so like BlackBerry had a, a version of that and like there's other models but it wasn't user friendly gotcha. And Apple does a great job, especially in the beginning stages and really through their whole history since the iPhone came out of like their goal was to make user friendly technology Mm -hmm. that anyone from three years old to 100 years old could pick it up and just kind of learn it, figure it out, figure it out. But it's not like super difficult to figure out. Right. Um, Yeah. And they did a really good job with that. And with the first iPhone, that's what just changed the game because it was the first device where it was just an all-in-one, essentially. You know? Yep. I mean, I remember uh, when I came back from my first deployment, I had a buddy of mine saying, man, I think I'm going to get an iPhone. And I don't know what... That would have been 2007, so I don't know when the first iPhone was unveiled or when it came out. Mm -hmm. And I said, what do you need that for? You know? I said, I had an old Nokia, you know, where I could just (laughs) dial out and have a screen on. I said, what do you need all that for? You know, you got Uh a laptop, you know? He said, no, I think I'm going to get it. And he got it. And, uh, 
it wasn't too long after he got his that I decided that I needed to, you know, to upgrade mine. Well, that's how it happens, man. Yeah, it's crazy. The best advertiser you'll ever have is your friends. Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, you can make the most convincing, persuasive ad. You can have the biggest billboard, whatever. Sure. But the best marketing you can have is word of mouth. Yeah. Because you trust those people. You don't trust the billboard. Right. You don't trust this corporation. I mean, it's something like Apple, when the first iPhone came out, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Apple. It's like, you know, cares. it's not who it, who they are today where, you know, if you're an Apple user, yeah. you are on team Apple. That's full true. throttle. Remember, I deviated from that. Remember when I got yeah. my, uh, my, uh, respect. Samsung. Yeah. Respect. Worst Try six months of my life. <laughs> you know, I tried, I tried to have you guys pull me through that yeah. time, but I, I decided against I it. I think and... people just, they start for the majority of people, yeah. people start off with one and they stick with it. Yep. Whether that's Android, Windows, iOS. Well, if you're the, the more tech savvy you are, and the more, uh, I mean, let's say you can do more with your phone than I can do with mine, mm-hmm. you know. But at the end of the day, all I want to do is pick it up, check my email, make yeah. a phone call. Yeah, it's what you're trying to get out of yeah. it. You know. Yep. So, but no, so, going back to farming, you know, I know we we kind of got off on a tangent there, but going back to farming, I think it, uh, I benefit, you know, I benefited from it more than one way. You know, the discipline, work ethic. You know, um, I don't think. Yeah, I, Obviously, I, it's hard to say, but I, I don't know if I could have gotten the same, you know, schooling, you know, doing anything else, you know, other than farming. It's good life lessons in there. You yeah. know, it's just shit that you're not going to get in school. Yeah. You're not going to learn that thing in the classroom. You can't manufacture it. Yeah. yeah it's got to be. Yeah. And it's, and it's an, I mean, you can get it other places, you know, but mm. farming, I guess, would be an extreme way of learning, you know, get up at four o'clock every morning, you know, whether you got to go to school or not, you got, and, mm-hmm. and you got to do it. And if you don't, you know, there's consequences, you know, and, and if you get up and work and, and, you know, then you're going to get paid, you know, and mm-hmm. if you get paid, then you can, you know, then you can buy your first truck or your car or whatever it may be. And then, you you know, and there's, there's a satisfaction involved in paying something for yourself, you know, for sure. the, the whole reason, you know, when I bought my first truck, you know, I was 14 years old when I bought my first truck, didn't, couldn't even drive, <laughs> but I know I had some money and I said, I told my stepdad, I said, I want to get a truck, you know, yeah. I want to get it ready for when I do have my license. He said, all right, well, if you're going to have a truck, you got to pay for your own car insurance. I yeah. saved a bunch of money. He took me to the car lot. Test drove a truck when I was fourteen. Yeah, it's not around anymore. That that you know the place I bought my truck, and uh, gave nine hundred bucks for it. Nine hundred bucks. And my receipt for that truck was he kind of spread out all those one hundred dollar bills, and he xeroxed a copy of it. He signed it. I signed it. That was my <laughs> receipt for buying that truck. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And so I did all the body work to it. You know, got it ready. And as soon as I got my license, you know, a year and a half later. You know, I had enough money for car insurance, awesome. and I grew, but I, you know, but I, I took care of that. Mm-hmm. It might've been a piece of shit, but I took care of it, you know, and it has to be. Yeah. You see these assholes with like a Mercedes Benz at 16. You're like, how, how, why? We know how. Yeah. We know but, how. But what does that result in? You know, yeah. I think your first car has to be a piece of shit. Oh yeah. You know how much my first car was? How much? A hundred bucks. Can't beat it. No engine, yeah. no brakes. There you go. We got it from this sweet little old lady. What that kind was it? I don't even know, dude. <laughs> I honestly don't even know the type. Uh, benches for, you know. Oh, yeah. It wasn't, there weren't seats. Yeah. There was two benches. Oh, sure. And uh, Don't hate on the bench. Those were nice cars. They were comfortable yeah. as fuck. Vinyl. Was yeah. it a vinyl seat? Mm-hmm. Nice. It nice. was nice. I mean, you probably know, an Oldsmobile, probably an old Oldsmobile or something like that. Yeah. yeah. No, it was awesome. Yeah. You know, I love that car because it's kind of like, 
you know, my parents are like, you really can't beat it up. Yeah. Like, it's already beat up, so. And they could take a beating. Yeah. I mean, those, are, those cars lasted. Those are the cars you see in these derbies. You mm-hmm. know, these, you know, these, uh, um, you know, uh, you just beef them up and go out there and just beat each other with them, you know. Well, it's like things aren't built to last anymore. Oh, they're definitely You not. know, they're built to get replaced. Yeah. Your phone's supposed to last two years for a reason. Right. You know, your cars are supposed to last... I don't know. Yeah, like, depending on depending on what car you get, but they're only supposed to last for so long. So right. then you come get another one. Oh, just even anything you need to do with the vehicles. Mm-hmm. If you had to replace I mean, certain parts, they make it to where only only dealerships you mm-hmm. know can replace that, or you have to have a dang you know master's degree in some shit to be able to do it. You right. know? So all these electronics and everything, you're pretty much forced to go to go yeah, to the man. manufacturer. So, but that's just I feel like we've we've been focusing more on quantity than quality now. Yeah, that's kind of just where the marketplace is because but, it's always about something new. Especially when you look at something like cell phones, where you know some uh, company like Samsung is going to release two to three phones a year. Apple's releasing a phone every year, well, actually two now because they do the plus. Sure, you know, so it's like every year there's a, a new and better version. Yeah, and it's almost like maybe like a really cool strategy would be to like just not do a phone for a year. Yeah, you know, and have just all that that uh, you know. What are they going to put out in two years instead yeah. of one year? It's going to be we'll awesome. build some more anticipation. Yeah, you know? Le- leak something. You know, yeah. oh, I, I heard the iPhone, you know, fifteen is going to have it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but no, I, you know, it's technology's crazy. I love it, but you got to have it in doses. You mm-hmm. know, and it's, it, I think it makes parenting tougher too. Definitely. You know, I mean, like you, we were talking about before. You know, it, go outside and play. But now you've got to juggle as a parent. You know, you got to. You know, what are the kids? You know, being subject to on the mm-hmm. internet. You know, I mean, let's face it. You're a six year old on on Google. You know, I mean, there's ways around. You you're know, almost like not even a kid anymore because you're exposed to everything. Like yeah. when we went went outside and played. You know, we we're outside. We we're in the present moment. Yeah, we weren't exposed to the world. Right, and these well, kids are exposed right. to the world. It's not. It's not America, right? They're not. They're exposed to the world. Well, I think just a simple keyword. Think about. I mean, say you're six years old, you know, and you, you type in "kissing" to Google. <laughs> Imagine the kind of stuff that's going to pop up. You're a six year old. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. it's nothing to say. That's not too far fetched. If you're, you know, no. you're a six year old kid. You're you curious, know. And, yeah. And you're uh, in the routine of if you don't know something, you Google Look it. it. Right. Exactly. Google it. That's what you do. And if there's no filter on that Google. Imagine what could pop up yeah. there. Even if there is. Yeah. You know, even if there is a filter. I mean. Yeah. You don't it's have so to look broad. for it. You don't have to look for it. You don't even have to be looking at you know advertisements, anything like that. Yeah. Whereas before, heck, we had in order for you to see a, a nude picture of anything, heck, you were you had a buddy who was a friend of an older friend right. who had a Playboy magazine, and that right. that's the way you know. Now you just get on the internet, you know, you get all the porn you want, you know. And you can be exposed to some real crazy shit. Oh yeah. You know, like if you think of a Playboy, it's you know it's a chick it, and it, she's like model, but it's still censored. Yeah. And it's, even if it is. You know, even if you could like see her pussy or something, it's not like she's she was like spread eagle, like dive in. It's, you could say it's tasteful in a right. way, yeah. But there's now on the internet, but now I mean, it's just like, yeah. I mean, there's ridiculous shit. Yeah, like, and that's, two of my buddies are they're not like into that type of shit, but they. <laughs> I'm sure you could probably. I don't want to say names, but oh. I'm sure you kind of think of who I'm talking about. Sure, but they're really into like cake farts. If you ever heard of cake farts, where no, chick- I haven't actually. Okay, so there's this video online. It's yeah. super old now. I mean, super old. It's probably like five or ten years old. Okay, but essentially, it's just this chick, and there's a cake, and she farts in the cake, and when she farts, the cake just like sh- you know goes all over the place. It's called cake farts. Is it a fetish? 
It's all a fetish. That's it's crazy. a fetish for any fetish you want, you can see now. Wasn't there some... I saw a video of some... Uh, I, I could be totally wrong on this, but it was some... Uh, Chinese or some Asian chick who would like do something like different loaves, kinds of loaves of bread. Okay. She she would like just grope bread, grope bread, and that was a that was a fetish. Yeah, that's crazy. It is like, a fetish for anything. I mean, there are girls uh, that just sell like used panties. Oh yeah, orange is the new black. Yeah, I saw it. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, we were just talking about that at work the other day. There's an actual term for them now, and I do not remember what they're referred to as, but essentially like, you know, there's like really weird people yeah. that will like buy a cup of urine or <sighs> buy hear about feces that. or whatever. I saw that article that where this guy, he got his rocks off by essentially you might want to censor this, but apparently... No censorship. Apparently, <laughs> he would put his semen okay. in a syringe okay. and walk around Walmart and squirt his semen on people. Holy shit. Even if they didn't know it, he'd walk up behind somebody, squirt. That's how he got his rocks off. And I guess they interviewed him. They said, where did you like put the semen in the syringe? Sometimes I did it at home. Sometimes I would jerk off in the car. You know? Oh, my God. But he got his rocks off by throwing his semen... At other people, I wonder how you like get to that like get to that place. I like, think... where does that all start off? Like, and, and the end point is you shooting semen in the middle of Walmart's. I think deviance. I think there's some. I think a lot of it's you know it's some predispositions. But I, I mean, think about it. I mean, porn in a, in, as a whole. You know, you think about you start off by you know, like our age. You know, oh, you saw a nude chick in a magazine. Well, now you have the internet, so it's like. You keep pushing the envelope. You know what's what's more, what's dirtier, what's nastier, what's yeah. what's more outside the box, and to the point where, you know, let's face it. I mean, if you looked at so much effed up crap, you know, where you know it's some of the stuff you start to normalize it in your head, right. and then you know how much, and then, like I said, at predisposition. Certain people are just wired differently, and yeah. it's just, I mean, you never know. You well, know? then it, it's how you play it off in your real life too. Yeah. So, like, if that's what gets you off, is like these really extreme fetishes. And that, like, that's what you watch, and that's what you consume, and then you try to have like an actual relationship with a right g- with a girl or a guy, or whatever you want to do. Sure. How does that translate? It doesn't because exactly. it's, it's it's unrealistic. It is unrealistic. Yeah, and that yeah. makes relationships you know, a lot more difficult, it's which is impossible. It is, yeah, because that person that you're with will never be able to attain what you're seeking out. Right. You know? Yep. And you got to, and, and the whole reason you're seeking that out is because it was available and somebody put it on the internet, which mm-hmm. most of that stuff, I'm sure it's safe to say is, is just, it's all fabricated and it's just, you know, it's a lot of it is, I'm, I'm sure some yeah. of it, I'm sure a lot of it's real. I think a lot of it too is, you know, just like podcasts, just like anything else. What can we, what can we get people, you know, mm-hmm. watching and what, you know, and push the envelope with, and it's all choreographed. It's all, right. it's all, you know, it's all, well, it's know, all stage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But porn's a weird one. Like, if you looked at prostitution versus porn, it's so fucking ridiculous. Yeah. So, like, if you wanted to fuck somebody and they give you money for it, that's illegal. Right. But if you want to fuck someone and get money for it and put it on camera, yeah, then it's like, it's okay for some reason. There's a fine line. Yeah. It was so odd. Yeah. It's like, if you want to do those type of things in private, it's illegal. But if yeah. you want to expose it to the world, it's okay. Sure. Yeah. And that's just what's really odd about it. Yeah. You know, like, how's this, this huge porn industry, but yet prostitutes get arrested and they go to jail? Unless you're in Vegas, I guess. Isn't right. it legal in Vegas or something? Or out, just... I think everything's legal in Vegas. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's any... Uh, any rules of Vegas? What's well, the same thing with like uh, with sports betting? 
you know, it's, it's, it's legal to go to a casino and, and, and bet all the money you want, but the second you start betting on sports, you know, and so it's like, why not? If you're going to, le- I mean, if you're willing to lose your money, you know. What's the difference between yeah. a game that you're playing with cards or a game that someone else is playing? I mean, yeah, pe- I mean, people, yeah, it's a, it's a habit and people, you know, people have problems with it, but I mean, people are alcoholics and they still sell with, alcohol. Yeah, you people know, have I, problems with everything. Yeah. People will have an addiction to food. Oh, We're yeah. make food illegal. I love pizza. You know how many fat fucks we have running around this yeah. country? Like, yeah. <laughs> they're not like chubby. I'm talking obese. Like, morbidly obese. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that leads us back to uh, high fructose corn syrup, mm-hmm. processed food, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that, um, so it doesn't benefit you. you. No. It doesn't benefit you. And, and what I've, what I've kind of come to realize is those type of people only value taste. They only value what it's going to taste like, and they don't really care that 15 minutes later, and a couple hours beyond that, like what that food's going to make you feel like what and you, what it's going to impact your day. You got to think though too. If you're a family of four, or family of five, it's expensive to shop and get fresh vegetables right. and perishable items. You know, you got lunch, you know, lunch meat and, and, and cheese and you got vegetables and everything that you got to shop once a week for that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, it's cheaper, much cheaper to just go buy stuff that's not going to go bad, you know? Yeah. Here's some crackers. But you pay a, a price in another way. Well, you do. You know, you don't pay it financially, but you do pay the price for it in another way. Yeah. Yeah. Know? But it's... With your health. Yeah. You, you do. Know? It's crazy. But, all right. So you're 14 years old. You got your own car. I got my truck. You hit 16. Got the whip. I wrecked um, my whip. You wrecked it. Yeah. The, Tell me about this. <laughs> How um, long was it until you wrecked it? A few months. <laughs> so you had the car for like two years, couldn't drive it. I turned 16 in October, the end okay. of October. And uh, I'm coming home from a, uh, a church event, believe mm-hmm. it or not. It's 3 o'clock in the so morning. God was not on your side that day. He might have been. because <laughs> well, that's true. Because uh, I'm, I'm here today. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's 3 a.m. because, of course, I'm coming back home to do chores. You know, I didn't want I couldn't spend the night at the church event because I, I had to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one of those things where young, inexperienced, I was tired. Uh, it was warm. It was cold out. Obviously, mm-hmm. it was. I think it was January, February time frame. Had the heat up, windows up, music up, and I was just relaxed. Fell asleep. Woke up flying through the ditch. What? Yeah. You fell asleep at the wheel. Fell asleep at the wheel doing about seventy-five mile an hour. You just exhausted? Yeah. I mean, it ain't the first time I've fallen asleep behind the wheel. Oh shit! I guess we'll, we'll get there in a minute. But <laughs> this is the first, the first of three times I've fallen asleep behind the wheel. Okay. Um. And uh, did you like not get sleep the night before? Um, or are you just just burning? I mean, I, we had stayed up till probably midnight, one o'clock. You know, oh no, we stayed up all night. I hadn't gotten any sleep, so it was yeah. three a.m. and I'm driving home. Okay, you know, so um, fell asleep, hit the uh, hit the ditch. Uh, the the toolbox that was sitting in the back of my uh, in the back of my truck flew in, shattered the windshield. Was sitting in the truck cab with me. Okay, my my, my head uh, had a big old knot on it. I couldn't get. Yeah, basically the whole truck was shot. Yeah, so I. Uh, it wouldn't truck wouldn't start, so I kicked the wind out, and I was of course I was like five miles from the house. Mm-hmm. So I go to the, the first neighbor I could find, and it had to have been the most hilljack couple, redneck. They had a bed in the living room. You know, okay. I knocked on the door. Okay, like, hey. the guy answers the door with a beer in his hand. Of course, there's a bed sitting in the living room. <laughs> wife there all was sprawled it made? out. Was it wa- just a mattress? Yeah, it was just a mattress. <laughs> His wife was laying there all sprawled out, you know, she, she had a sheet over. Uh-huh. He, I said, man, I need to use your phone. I did, you know, it was before cell phones. Right. I said, man, I need to use your phone. I just uh, wrecked my truck. He goes, man, 
you want a beer to calm your nerves? And I said, no, man, I just wrecked my truck. I don't want a beer. Not to <laughs> mention I'm only 16 <laughs> years old. You know, he says, yeah, go ahead and use the phone, you know. So I called my stepdad up, and he goes, how far are you from the house? I said, uh, I said I'm five miles. He said, okay, start walking. Damn. <laughs> so I walked home, did chores, took the tractor back there after I was done doing chores and pulled the tra- truck home. Didn't get a ticket. Um, so I pulled the motor out of that truck and put it in another truck, uh-huh. you know. Uh, it took me most of the rest of the winter to do that, and then I uh, had another truck from there. But, yeah, so... That was my first, uh, all that work, Damn. yeah, I put a lot of hours into that truck, and I wrecked Damn. it within a few months. But anyway, that was 16, wrecked truck, so fun, fun. Okay, so 16, Yeah, you have your first near-death experience. <laughs> you betcha. And then, uh, I'm assuming you graduated school at 18? Uh, yes. And then, did you go straight into the service after that? No, I, uh, I graduated in... Uh, in 2005 and ended up going to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't know what I wanted to do. Just knew that college, you know, yeah. college was what you That's were supposed to do. Yeah. yeah. I, I knew at the time I wanted to try something other than farming. And so I said, I'm going to go to Ohio State. So I went to Ohio State, uh, partied for a year. Don't remember studying once. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I finished the year out, you know, yeah. fine. I had a, a high GPA. You know, I passed all my classes. I just had $15,000 worth of debt. And I had nothing to show for it. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know how these classes are going to relate to anything. And so I said, my brother was in the Army. Mm-hmm. Uh, my stepbrother was in the Army. And I said, I'm joining the Army. So I think it was it was September when I, when I, when I made the decision I'm going to join the Army. In October 26th, I was on a plane headed down to Georgia to okay. boot camp. So it was a very short time. I yeah. said, I want in. I told the recruiter, what's the first boat I can be out on? And he said, oh, you can leave in October. And I said, awesome. So I spent the, the first full day down in uh, basic training down in uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, was uh, on my birthday. So, wow. Yeah, good times. Good so you times. get down to Georgia, how long were you there for? In Georgia, uh, basic training uh, for infantry is 15 weeks. Mm-hmm. So I was in basic training down in uh, Georgia for 15 weeks, and then immediately following that I was uh, – uh, airborne school. I went to airborne school for three weeks. Um, and so we're still in 2006 here. Um, then I got sent to the 82nd Airborne Division up in Fort Bragg, North Carolina mm-hmm. um, in April of 2006. And then uh, I was there for the next four and a half years. So in North Carolina. In North Carolina. Yep. Cool. Stationed out of Fort Bragg. How was it when you're doing your basic training? Is it what like the movies make it out, where like they're screaming in your face oh, yeah. and all that? Yeah, you're sure. I mean, today's army is different. Okay. Uh, I, I know you. In get, what way? Well, and I'm sure a lot of people say, "Oh, everybody says it was harder when I was in basic training." But it, the, you know, it sort of evolved. When I joined the army, there was a huge need for bodies. Okay. You know, I mean, there because of the because of the, war, the war in Iraq and yeah. Afghanistan, and so um, they they wanted to train you to be ready to be overseas, and there it wasn't a, any cookie cutter, you know, um, you know pansy ass bullshit. It was you get in there it was a shark attack. I mean, from the second I got down to Fort, you know, Fort Benning till the second I left, you were getting screamed at. They were breaking you down because what they want, they want to break you down. They want to bring, they want to give you some military bearing, you know. So they break you down to nothing, mm-hmm. and they build you back up. Now. It's the same thing in the workplace. You got to play the game. Quickest way to get through basic training, yes, drill sergeant. Yeah, do it until muscle failure. You know, because you're, if you're not doing push-ups or running or or doing something, you know, physical, you're sleeping, and there wasn't much sleep. Yeah. So you bet you just had to get through it. You know, I mean, yeah. just just play the game, get through it. And uh, and today's army, 
I mean, they have things called, I don't know what they're called, but uh, they give out uh, cards, stress okay. cards. And, and if you feel like the, the drill sergeant's treating you too bad or you're getting too stressed out, you just give them that stress card and they lay off you a little bit. When what? I was at, when I was in basic training, if you had beef with a drill sergeant or if you had beef with another soldier, every night before bed you would lined up in a circle, fifty other dudes. You called them out and you fist fought right yeah. there. And you, if you wanted to fist fight a drill sergeant, you went in there and tried to fist fight a drill sergeant. You get your ass handed to you. Yeah. But you'd go out there and you just whoop on each other, you know, and then you'd, you'd shake yeah. hands and you'd go to bed. You wake up and do it all over again. So shit. Yeah. But uh, so, what do you think made that change? Because we're not in a war. That they kind of like relax now. They no, I, th- I think the problem is you know we have a younger generation, uh, millennials that are joining the military, and it's an and it's a, and it's uh you know and we're going to get into politics a little bit here, but it's uh you know don't hurt anybody's feelings, you know type army, you know or type military. You're, you're getting a lot of kids in the military that have never had any struggle, who have yeah. never you know everything's been handed to them, they've never had any hardship, and you know how dare you cuss at me? You know you, you're making me yeah. feel bad, you know, and let's face it when you're under the microscope like that you know i think the military and government as a whole has evolved to the point where you know yeah i guess we can't be treating our guys a certain way you know well it's just odd to me because i think when people go into the service they kind of know what they're getting themselves into you would think and you know there's a reason to break you down because you're going into a place where they don't care how you were how how you grew up, right? And uh, that's not even taken into consideration. Yeah, you know, it's not like in the middle of a, of a war fight that you can just be like, "Well, my stress card's too high." Yeah, like that, that's, that's not going to happen. You're just going to get killed. And that's the exact <laughs> argument that you know. And that's and I'm, I'm sure it differs a little bit because there's infantry basic training, okay. and then there's there's you know your non infantry you know support uh, jobs. You know, mm-hmm. we call them MOSs, but the jobs like ad, administration, admin, you know, cooks. You know, uh, support. So your mechanics. You know your, uh, you know your jobs like that. Those, those areas. You know that basic training. Although it should still be challenging, it should still be stressful. You know, I think those are a little bit more lax than your than your infantry units mm-hmm. are. You know, just because. I mean, that makes sense. It does, but at the same time, you go overseas. I mean, you you could end up doing anything over right. there. You know, I mean, if you're if you're convoy security overseas and your job is to just drive from one point A to point B. And pull security. I mean, you could have you could be ambushed, and right. you could have to you know exchange fire with the enemy. And if you're not if you if you weren't prepared to be in stressful situations and you weren't trained right, then you're not you're not, not going to be able it. to perform. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's it's complicated, but it's one of those things where um, you can never be too prepared. So, you're right. Yeah. So I mean, I I want, put me in the most stressful situation I can. You know, as I'm training, you know, through training, you know, so I'm ready for it. And that yeah. and that and that was the mindset. And in Fort Bragg, you know, while I was in the 82nd. So I can't speak for any other unit. It was, I was never in any other unit, just the yeah. 82nd. Uh, but I can tell you, we, you know, we were prepared. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. it sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> so then you went out to North Carolina for a couple of years. Yep. Well, you were there I, for what, four years? Four. I got out of the military in March of 2011. Okay. So from April of 2006 to March 2011, I was in Fort Bragg. And when did you go overseas? Uh, my first deployment was June of 2006, so uh, two months after I got to my unit, uh, I was uh, going over to Iraq the first time, and we were there for uh, just under a year and a half, mm-hmm. 
came back for 11 months, turned around and deployed again for 13 months. So I spent more time over in Iraq than I did the yeah. States. Yep. So you did two terms then? Two tours, yep. Two tours. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. So from the first tour, you guys get over there. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how was it? Like, how would you describe it? How would Looking I describe back it? on it? Like, like a macro prescri- perspective, it was... Um, it, it it wasn't bad. I mean, you you were in the military for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, you joined the infantry to uh, you know to to do some cool things, and then uh, you know, I mean, how awesome is it to be able to go overseas? Your only job is to get up. You know, whether you're in the field, you know, or, or you know, whether you're on base or whether you're out in the field outside the wire, and your whole job is to you know just um, do your mission. You know, um, lift weights. Mm-hmm. Eat, wake up, do it all over again. Yeah, you know, so it, it wasn't that bad. I didn't think it was too bad. Um, it got to where um, you know you missed home, but at right. the same time, you know, you're doing. I mean, think about how how many how many people got, have gotten a chance to go you know to the Middle East, right. you know, and seen you know been to Baghdad, been to you know Fallujah, been to Ramadi, all these all these places where you know the average citizen in the United States will probably never be you know yeah. or get a chance to go to Kidding you know, even point on a map yeah <laughs> you know and I saw some you know I saw some awesome um, you know historical you know um, you know monuments that you know the ziggurat you mm-hmm. know down in uh, it's it's a it's an, it's, uh, an ancient temple mm-hmm. you know um, and if you're familiar with the uh, the story of Abraham and the Bible his house was constructed right next to this ziggurat okay. you know and I got to go on it and in there That's you know cool. and then there's you know uh, um, Oh, cuneiform, you know, the old writing, you know, that they mm-hmm. use hand chisel was all there, you know. So it, I got to see some pretty neat things, you know, yeah. uh, in my time over there. Um, now, as far as uh, the job, as far as, you know, um, interacting with, you know, the enemy and different things like that is definitely more lax on this my second deployment than it was my first. The escalation of force, you know, uh, was a little bit looser on my second deployment. We transitioned from um, being on the defensive all the time to, you know, um, you know, more of a hearts and minds mission. You know, we've, we've been there, we've made an impact. Now we're going to rebuild. And instead of always thinking every, you know, every, it could be, everyone could be dangerous. You still want the mindset that, you know, that person with the cell phone on the corner could be a danger that, Mm -hmm. that kid on the overpass could be dangerous. You know, that, you know, that discoloration on the side of the road or that, you know, that, that berm over there could have an ID in it, but you also, but there's, you know, but we want to give them the benefit of the doubt. So Mm -hmm. instead of, not letting vehicles get within, you know, within 100 meters of your vehicle right. or 300 meters. Now you're sharing the road. It's a little bit more lax. Yeah, I mean, you're, I mean, the fir- your first tour, you were, you know, if if you got within so many feet, if if a if an Iraqi civilian car would get within so many feet of your convoy, you either, you know, made them turn around or you disabled the vehicle, you know, so you have that mindset. Yeah. To now you got to drive next to them and you got to share the road. So imagine, you know, the, yeah. the sort of. You know, uh, you know, uh, still kind of being paranoid. Well, the mind fuck that's there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you're, you're, you know, muscle memory. You know, you know, stop. You know, turn around, or you know, or you disable the vehicle to. You know, hey, how's it going? You know, yeah. have a good day. So, <laughs> yeah, but it was. I mean, it was neat. I wouldn't change it for the world. I love. You know, I love the military. Um, mm-hmm. I'd probably still be in the military if I. If I didn't want to get out and get my degree, mm-hmm. you know, um, I just didn't have time to do it when I was in the service. So. Yeah. Um, but it opened up a lot of doors. Um, you know, uh, use the GI Bill so the, the military paid for my school. Nice. You know, and um, 
Yeah, and again, more discipline. You learn more discipline. You more leadership. You know, mm-hmm. more your leadership attributes kind of shine when you're in the military. You're put in situations where you're forced to lead, and you either are good at it, and you you know polish that you know that up, and, and you become a good leader, or you just or you're not a leader, you know. And so the leaders shine, mm-hmm. and you can really uh, use that in the workplace, you know. Right. So, but yeah, military was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, looking back on it now in 2017, and kind of knowing everything we know. About the war and why we went over there and and everything. Like, how do you feel about that? Because you were a part of the, you know, part of the, uh, yeah. the teams that went over there. And yeah, it's a loaded question. I, I don't like to say that anything we did was in vain. You know, I think that we did a lot of good. Mm-hmm. Um, in what ways? Well, you know, the, although you know we did get Saddam. You know, and our efforts were to help, you know, rebuild Iraq and to, you know, instill a democracy as far fetched as that is, because, you know, they've they've lived a certain way, you know, they're, you know, for the past, you know, century or more, you know, they're still, you know, insurgents, they're still, you know, terrorist camps, they're still, it's you know, there's still a lot of area over there where people can train who want to do bad things, you know, and so we made an impact there, you know, it wasn't a terrorist, you know, stronghold while we were there because, you know, we cracked down on it, you know, and so it made it harder, it made it harder to harbor terrorists and to harbor, you know, Al-Qaeda and other other groups, you know, with the presence that was there. Now that we're gone, I mean, you've seen how ISIS is kind of taken over, um, we've ended, you know, our our stint in Afghanistan as long one, but we ended it, and you've seen what's going on over there too. So, it's well, there's no easy answer, right? It almost makes me question, like, like is it worth it? Because you go over there and you guys put in all this work and it, you know, rebuild and the whole sure. nine yards. And you guys leave, and then it kind of just goes right back to what it was. Yeah, well, and, and that's and that's partially due to our exit strategy, you know, and without without getting into, I guess, too much. Uh, you know, about, you know, who our president was and sort of the strategy there, you know, I think it could have been handled a little bit better, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, it, it happened how it happened. And no, I, I think our, our efforts were, were good. I, I don't think, I think we could have handled it better. I mean, but uh, I mean, I'm not a politician. I'm not a, uh, a general, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of war strategy. You know, yeah. I wasn't, I was an infantry soldier. So yeah. I, you know, uh, directions are passed from the top down and shit rolls <laughs> downhill. And I was on the receiving end of, the, they tell you to go to do something, you do yeah. it and you've got, but you, you can't have that mindset that what you did was in vain. You can't have that mindset that, you know, it wasn't worth it. We shouldn't have been over there because at the end of the day we were. Right. We, you know, we went there, we did what we did and you have to just in the back of your head think that it was, it was for, for a good reason. Mm-hmm. And you still have then your national, you know, your national fervor, you know, you're, you're an American, mm-hmm. you know, we're the main superpower, you know, in the world and, and, um, and we have to maintain that image and we have to be the superpower in the world or else, you know, um, I'd hate to see how things would be if it was the other way around. So I would say, was it, was it good that we were over there? Did we accomplish a lot? I mean, you, two different people, two different scholars could have two different answers. I'm going to say, we, I, I'm going to say that it was I'm say, for what we did, it was good, and for yeah. you know, and for we, we for what we were able to accomplish, we accomplished a lot, mm-hmm. and I think it was it was uh, all for the good. Yeah. So yeah, well, it's important. It's important the people that experienced it because it's so different as just a civilian, and we're watching content whether that's through our phones or TV or in the news or whatever. Sure. And you kind of have a certain perception of what's going on. 
But those perceptions can be created where you guys were actually living it. You guys were actually hands-on, knowing what was happening um, to a certain extent. I mean, just kind of like what you said, things are passed down. Sure. And sometimes you don't, you're not always informed on the bigger picture. Um, but I'm sure you guys can kind of figure it out, you know, just because of certain moves that are made. Sure. But I think it's important that, you know, veterans talk about it. Because there's so many people that would read, you know, news articles or see stuff online and... And they build this this whole perception about, you know, kind of like America's evil. And we just, like, infiltrate. We destroy places. And, and, and you know. I'd this- rather, I would rather have a perception that America's evil mm-hmm. than, uh, well, put it this way. How many terrorist attacks happen on American soil, right? How many millennials have had to worry <laughs> about being scared to go to school? I mean, well, I, I, I mean, there have been some shootings, school shootings, but. Not I mean, to the extent of. No, think right. of, think about waking up every morning and having your only concern being I have to stay alive, I have to figure out what I'm going to eat, and I have to wake up tomorrow and do it all over again. Mm-hmm. Millennials, it, if if they if if we had to wake up every morning and 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 you heard I mean if you heard bombs going off in the background if you had mm-hmm. if you were worried about driving to school whether or not you were, you know their, your it. vehicle was going to blow up or not yeah. you know I think if, if there were some terrorist attacks that happened in the United States I think it would humble a lot of people because we are yeah. too sheltered over here for sure well oh. that was, that's the other really interesting part about the Iraq and Afghanistan war it's like we're at war as a country yeah but us as like myself as like an American citizen like it didn't feel like war because on our day-to-day yeah you didn't really impact we weren't impacted we weren't afraid to go places and And it wasn't like world war one or world war two where you had to make sacrifices in order to support the war right you know and so it's it's weird millennial i mean we are so sheltered over here man yeah i mean we are so sheltered i mean and that's why if if i i find it really hard to turn on the tv or social Mm -hmm. media and and see these protesters Mm -hmm. you know you may not like who who our commander in chief is, mm-hmm. you know, but at the end of the day, he's the commander in chief, you know, and so let's try to, you know, if you want to make an impact, you know, put yourself in a position there. to try to, exactly. If you don't yeah. like the decisions that are being made in politics, well, be a politician. Yeah. If you don't like, you know, it, 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 you know, or if you want to get your voice out there the right way, then you know, become a journalist. You know, don't burn things, don't set things on fire, yeah. don't you know, burn local businesses yeah. and throw. I always say like a riot's like a societal hissy fit. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like I don't like this. Yeah, so you're gonna hurt people in your own community. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That it's... doesn't make sense. But I do like, you know, if you look at something like the Women's March, mm-hmm. where. Multiple cities had these huge gatherings. Peaceful. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No one got arrested, and and I'm totally down for that. When people yeah. can get together and peacefully protest, and you betcha. and take a stance and say, hey, you know, uh, whether you're for or against something, just I mean, that's what makes our country awesome. Right? As fuck. Yeah. Is that people can go out and and voice their opinions, right? And get with like-minded people, and and you and unite, right? And get together and try yep. to make a difference. But- but to make a lasting impact, that's not going to get it done. Right. And, and, and the problem, too, is the media and all these statistics are thrown out there. And, oh, and you can frame... Percentages piss me off and you, so much. And you can frame anything. You yeah. know what I mean? You can frame anything. And it, it, it and it's it's horrible that we have... that the, the media is the way it is right now. You know, mm-hmm. where you can't just turn on the, the TV and get a an unbiased mm-hmm. sort of just, you know, subjective, mm-hmm. you know, I... 
you know, this is what's going on in the news. Now, I mean, everybody frames everything. Well, everyone tunes into... The media that they want. Exactly. Yeah. So, if you are super Republican, you're going to go watch Fox News. Right. And if you, you know, lean more liberal, then you're going to watch CNN. And it's just like people tune in to hear what their side has to say. Right. And we don't have, you know, when news first started, journalists were uh, essentially forced to... This was journalism. You show this side and you show the other side and people make their decision. Sure. Okay. But now people just tune in to what their team is pushing. And social media doesn't help. Yeah. And so, exactly. So we have Republicans, we have Democrats, and you're on one team or the other. Yeah. And it kind of divides us, I think, more than unites us. Oh, it does. Because, especially if you look at something like Trump, where like, most people, it's you love them or you despise him right and there's not a lot of middle ground with those people yeah um and and it almost like begs to differ like like maybe we have to look back and maybe just kind of see how we're doing things here because you have republicans you have democrats and regardless of who wins the election they're both in power still yeah you know it's not like since republicans won the presidential uh campaign that Democrats are just gone. Sure. Like, they're not present. Right. Like, they're still there. Yeah. So if we can implement more parties, then that kind of voiced more opinions. Because I don't think it is just hardcore right-wing people that are all about their money and very selfish. And then you have liberals that are, like, super hippie and everyone should be, you know, everyone gets everything. Exactly. I, I think there's a lot of people that are, like, right in the middle. There, yeah, there's, yeah, there, you're you know, right. there are. And it's, but it's one of those things where I don't think I can ever remember. And I have, you know, obviously I haven't been involved with too many elections, you know, but so, as long as I can remember, I don't think we've ever had a time where there's been so much dissension between the left and same, the right. Same. I mean, every time you turn the TV, people are protesting, you know, burning things president. down. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Right. And this whole travel ban, you know, this temporary travel ban, and it, which brings me right back to, you know, we, we are so sheltered here, you know, it, and, and it's one of those things where, like, you just take a step back. And that's exactly what the administration is doing. They're assessing some, you know, they're assessing some, some policy that we have. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's temporary. And although there are some people impacted and affected by it, and that is that sucks. Mm-hmm. There are some good citizens who are forced to not, you know, for a short time, not be able to come back to the states and vice versa. And, and it, it's one of those things where, you know, it's for the it's for the better of the community, you know, and, and it's to try to improve on something. You know yeah. what I mean? It's I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I hate talking about politics, you know, but at the same time, I think millennials are there. There's there a lot. A, a majority of millennials mm-hmm. are they're selfish. They're mm-hmm. sheltered. And uh, and it, they, they they've just had too much handed to them, yeah. You know, yeah. so it, it'd be good for people to see some hardship, yeah. And to feel some hardship, I think they'd appreciate what they had a little bit more, for sure. So, but it's almost like we should like create a program where like I don't know. I just think like a, our upbringing kind of changed. Like if you went to school and you learned how to get your own food, whether that's gardening. Or, you know, being on a farm and making your own, doing your own meat. And then maybe do like an abroad program where you go and you see that this is not life for everyone. Well, it goes back to parenting. Yeah. You know, parents can instill that. Right. You don't have to live on a farm. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to have some elaborate, you know, sort of, uh, you know, uh, set you know, structure, you know, as far as learning goes to, to teach your kids the difference between right and wrong, to teach them discipline, to teach them, you know, the value of a dollar, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I, I think a lot of, you know, 
I think there's a lot of shortcomings when it comes to parenting, mm-hmm. you know, in the United States. Well, it's almost like, I just, I personally believe that there's just too many fucking people. And it grows exponentially right. every so year. So it's like, I, there's going to be parenting shortfalls because there's too many people. Well, that, I mean, that, and which goes right back to if, if you shouldn't be having as many I mean, I've seen it, I've seen people who, who have five or six kids and they can barely keep themselves, you know, and they're on government assistance mm-hmm. and they don't have a good job. If you don't have a good job and you don't have the means to have a kid, then there's contraception. Kid. There's there are condoms. There's birth control. There are a number of things well, that you Trump can do. Might, uh, Trump might remove most of that shit, but... Well, I mean, for right now, right now there are plenty of ways yeah. to keep yourself from right getting now. pregnant. So why on earth... Yeah. Do you have so many kids? Yeah. You know, I see people all the time. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, give me a free handout. Well, quit having kids. Right. <laughs> you might not need the free handout. Right. Take care of yourself. I mean, I'd love to be in your situation around tax time. Right. You know, I mean, all you know, those tax so credits they get for kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like just quit having kids. I don't yeah, understand. You know, popping them out. Yeah, exactly. Jerk off every once in a while. Do something. <laughs> Pull out that Playboy. Right. You know, good grief. <laughs> plenty of porn for you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Get your fetish out there. Well, let me ask you this, because. As someone that has served in the military, and now that we have a president that has not served any way, shape, or form, and really has no experience being a politician, how does, like, what's your perception on that? Someone that is making those decisions to send in troops and, and, you know, have that be a major part of his job. Yeah. But never actually having the experience of doing that. Oh, I'm thrilled. Because that's why he brought in... That's why he brought in the help in his cabinet that he has. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got you've got the the, the general big dog Mattis there, mm-hmm. who's making the you're making the military decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, and assessing those situations. You've got a business minded man who's hopefully going to get us back on track financially in this mm-hmm. country. And like you said, it's not just one man calling the shots. There's checks and balances. You well, know, that's what I love about the immigration policy mm-hmm. because you know people freaked out what he wanted to do. And I think it was a really important reminder that it's, we don't have a dictatorship. No. You know, yeah, he won the pre- he is the president, and I'm not taking that away from him. Sure. But look, if you want to get a little nutty, there's a reason. There's checks and balances yeah. in place to make sure that that things don't get super out of hand. Well, that and I don't know why people are so like upset. Everything that he said that he was gonna do or try try to work with during his campaign, within the first hundred days of his being taking office. He has, I mean, he's hit on a lot of those points. You, you know how many? But a lot of people don't agree with a lot of those points, so that's where they freak out. Yeah, you know, things maybe like the wall or immigration, and you know how long you know how long it takes to become a citizen of Canada. How long? Ten years. Really? It takes ten years to become a citizen of Canada, and people are. Freaking. But you can be there, right? You can visit, but it's, yeah, and you can okay. be there. But I mean, so you want to talk about trying to restrict? And there's a process involved with getting your visa. I mean. Right. For instance, we worked with an interpreter in Iraq. Um, we'll call him CJ. That's what we called him. I won't put his real name out there, but he lives in the United States now. Okay. And it took him six years to get a visa. And he worked with the United States Army. Right. And it took him another two years to get his, his family over here. Mm-hmm. You know? And and uh, and so it takes a little bit to get, you know, to get your, you know, it's not just a uh, come across. I'm here. Exactly. Sign a paper like and, I'm an American citizen. And that's not... And what they're, vet, and what they're doing is they're not assessing... How long it takes for you know for for you know people to come over here? What they're doing is they're trying to see, of figure out ways to to do better screening. Because okay. let's face it, you, you, you could have you could be 
to, on the surface, you could be a perfectly fine person and get into the United States or Canada, whatever country you're going to. Yeah. But I mean, you could have ulterior motives, you know? Yeah. And so I think, and if you, we want to continue to be, you know, this, uh, you know, have rainbows and unicorns and not be as scared to go to the grocery store and drive mm-hmm. down the street, I think, why wouldn't you want safer borders? Why wouldn't yeah. you want a safer country? You know I what I mean? I think it kind of threw people off because we haven't been attacked and we really haven't had anything on American since soil 9/11. since 9-11. Right. But even that, I mean, look, man, Pearl Harbor and 9-11, it's about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. for, for mass, like, attacks on I mean, U.S. Yeah, they're pretty significant, but yeah, still, yeah. For I sure, mean, for sure. There hasn't been, it's not a day-to-day, it's not a, yeah. it's not a fact. So it kind of took, I think, the average citizen, uh, kind of by surprise that we're sure. doing all these bans when nothing's really happened. Yeah. And then the other argument is, well, you want to stop it before something actually happens. Right. And so then, I think there's, it's, it's not black and white. And that's what I get pissed off about. It's like, immigration isn't black and white. Right. It's gray. Yeah. It's very gray. Yeah. There isn't a like a a right or wrong. There's a process and there's it's almost like the human body. Yeah. Everybody's body is different. Everyone's body reacts to things differently. I could give you medicine that heals you in a day. That medicine could kill me. Sure. You know? Yeah, and at the same time, I'm not a politician, and I'm by far am not qualified to have any opinion on any of this, really. Me like, either. That's why I made podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> there, there, there are so many different variables involved. You know, who am I to sit here and say, you know, all these, you know, I mean, educated, you know, you know, scholarly, you know, academic people mm-hmm. who are making decisions for the people. You know, it's everyone has it, it, everybody's best interest. Everybody's the decisions people are making. You know. Um, whether you're on the left or on the right, you know, it's all the same goal is right. to make America safer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Europe, you look at other countries where the borders aren't as secure and look at the issues they're having. Mm-hmm. You know, we're sort of lucky enough that we'll be only, the two borders we have are Mexico and, and, and Canada, yeah. but, you know, when we're kind of far. We ain't worried about Canada. <laughs> oh, no, we're not. I mean, come on. Come so, on. <laughs> <laughs> I see you, Toronto. So, <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Do you think, uh... Do you think the wall would protect us more? Um, I mean, anytime, anytime you make it's, it's going to keep people are still going to find ways to get right, in. Right. And it's, do we have enough illegal immigrants that it's really making a huge impact on our economy and on the safeties? I don't know. Right. I put the numbers in front of me. We've got over seven. I don't know. I don't even know how many people we have in the in the world now. But it's it, there's seven a, billion in the world. We have three hundred twenty million plus in America. It's only three hundred twenty million. How, how many immigrants are coming across illegally, and is that making a huge impact? I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, do well, I want the, the interesting argument of it is, and Apple actually just dealt with this. Yeah. So you know, Trump, uh, they kind of saw where things are going. Apple manufactured their latest MacBook in Texas. Mm-hmm. And this is the lowest rated MacBook ever. Oh, yeah. Because what happened is, you know, they went overseas. And I get it, it was cheap labor. But these people are skilled. And they have been working on this sure. for decades. Yeah. And so they, the um, the work culture has, like, built, uh, you know, the way they work in these factories to produce high quality mm-hmm. products. And they came to Texas and had people in America work on them. But since... And people in America haven't worked at mass scale. Sure. It suffered in, in the outcome of the product. So it's kind of one of those things now. It's like we're so far behind that do we bring all these factories back over to have not as high quality of product? Or do we ship those jobs back over 
and find new ways, new sources of income to bring more jobs into the economy. I think we just need you to know? get our we need to get our uh, our skill level up. Yeah. yeah, bring bring industry back. I mean, yeah. it, it, people people will catch on. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, I definitely think we need to bring the industry back to the United States. And those States. things take time. Yeah, you know? and and you know, instant gratification is the world we live in now. And so, if they see that this is going to take a couple decades and you know, a couple generations of workers to really get to the point where like a China is or, sure. a, or a South Korea or North Korea or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I just don't think a lot of businesses want to take the time to do that, you know? No, you're right. I mean, your whole goal as a business is to make money. You know, make more money. Make more money, you, you know? know? And, and but, I always have this conversation with people like a, a corporation, if you made $50 million, right, in 2015... In 2016, you made $49 million, and you were able to pay all your employees, and, and everything kind of stayed the same, but you didn't make as much as last year. That still looked at as a loss. Oh, yeah. You know, because it's all about more, more, well, and more, inflation more. and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, going back to, you know, secure borders, I think everybody would like to have, you know, it's, it's nice to know that our borders are secure. It's nice mm-hmm. to know that if you're if you're an immigrant and you want to come to the United States, do it the right way. You know what I mean? And I see both sides of that, though, because if you're living in Mexico, especially where the cartels are really heavy, oh sure, you have nowhere to go. No, you don't because if you go to the cops, they're they're just as likely to be part of the cartel mm-hmm. as they are just as likely to be an actual police officer. Sure. And so if you if your family was in that situation, would you do the process of immigration for years, yeah. hoping that you know the cartel doesn't come get you? Or would you take your chances and come here legally? Sure. And at least you'd be here legally, but you'd be here safe. And so that's where I kind of like, I see both sides of the spectrum. I don't think one way is right or wrong. You know, I think there needs to be a good vetting process for immigration to make sure we're not bringing people that are going to do harm to our country. Right. But I also see the other side of like, Motherfucker, I don't have six years to come into the U.S. Like, yeah. these, these people are in my community. They're hanging people off of bridges so everyone knows not to fuck with them sure you know and i just think if we kind of put ourselves in their shoes maybe we could work on a system and i don't know how you how, how you do this sure i mean it's such a big problem it's like yeah and no one really has the answer but i think it's just important to see both sides and that's how we're kind of come to a conclusion where it kind of helps Kind of does the best with a bad situation. Yeah, you, you gotta. Know? It's got to be a compromise. And like yeah. you said, I don't. It's above my pay grade. Yeah. I don't get paid to make those decisions. Right. I wouldn't want to make those decisions. Well, you know. You know, when you look at something like the job of being the president, who I mean, I you have to be kind of a crazy motherfucker to want to do that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely takes a certain kind of person. I wouldn't do it. Mm. You know. I mean, just. It, you just look at all the presidents we've had, and they go into office, you know. And they're coming out gray. And they come out gray, and just, they look stressed, right. you know. It's a stressful job. Oh, I yeah. mean, hey, here here you go. You're going to be the spokesperson for 320 million people. Imagine what, what it takes, to. I mean, think about how many speeches and how many public appearances and how much traveling, how much little how little sleep you get. I, I wouldn't want it. No. Yeah. No, so, I mean, to sit here, to sit here and argue politics, I would, I would say that I, I think that, our system has worked this long, you know, whether it's a Democrat in office or a Republican in office. And I think, you know, we've had eight years of the Obama administration and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're still here, you know. So let's see what four years of Trump will give us. You know, I don't I think. I think that's how it goes, man. Yeah. You know, after the whole, once I saw like Trump won, I really started like looking into history a little bit because 
this is really interesting to me that we keep swaying. Sure. You know? Yeah. Like, of recent memory, we had uh, the first Bush mm-hmm. in Republican in office for eight years. Then we went to Clinton, Democrat. Bush, Republican. Obama, Democrat. And it's just like, we just kind of keep going back and right. forth. And yeah. Back and forth. To, and I'm kind of thinking, like, maybe that's just so everyone doesn't lose their shit. Yeah. You know? which, But it seems like they have right now. But then it's like, are we really progressing? Because then, you know, right when Bush leaves, Obama's making all these changes. Right. And as soon as Obama leaves, Trump's making all these changes to kind of go back to, you know. It's but isn't just, that what it is? It's what people, I mean, if, if something hasn't worked or something, you know, yeah, maybe it hasn't had enough time to work, you know. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, you've got your own ideology, you've got your own, yeah. you know, you've got your own experts looking into it. You guys are fairly confident. You got elected to make some changes, you yeah. know, and you got to implement those and see where it takes you, yeah. you know. But that's why you can sit here and argue politics all day long. Yeah. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Well, it's not a right or wrong answer, and I also don't think that you know yourself as a veteran, myself as a citizen, like we don't have the access to the information to really make a really like concise decision oh, and because I'm sure we're just we... being fed we're being fed information that is brought to us oh, sure you know there's but so... we're not like actually in the thick of it oh there's so many decisions so many yeah. so many i mean you got to have security clearances and i mean there are so many conversations that happen that you'd be you'd probably be amazed at what what That's actually goes on to make too yeah you know like it's 3 a.m. You get a phone call and they're like, do you, should we invade? And they're like, do we go into... And it's like, yeah. you got to make that call. Oh, yeah. You know? It's classic game theory yeah. you know, that you learn. And it's in, like... Yeah. Then you look at Obama eight years later and you're like, yeah, I'm surprised he's not grayer. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? lot, I mean, a lot, lot, lot happens in eight years. It's hard, hard to imagine he was in there for eight years. You know, that's a good good mm-hmm. part of that Iraq and Afghan war, you know? And, yeah. But... Yeah, it's yeah, interesting. Bush, it was, you know. Yeah, Bush. I, I was a sixteen years. So. Yeah, I was. I was a fan of the first Bush. He's a little bit more progressive. You know what's really funny? What's that? Is like so many people hated Bush. Yeah. And now that Trump's here, people talk about Bush like he, like they didn't talk about him negatively then. Right. You know. Well, Bush. He was a little bit more. He leaned a little bit more left than mm-hmm. than Trump does. You know, he, For I, sure. They call it, you know he's more progressive. You know he mm-hmm. has some more more liberal views you know mm-hmm. than, than trump has shown so far um but i mean that's a time in our history where you know it was there was a call to action mm-hmm. you know and you know probably every communication theory we ever learned and you know yeah. was probably in the book was used For sure. you know and so it's crazy man i mean we've we've gone through a lot over the past you know 20 years mm-hmm. and uh but uh well it just seems like we always have an enemy like when i was talking to my grandparents yeah and, you know, they were afraid of, like, Russia bombing them when they were in oh, yeah. school. and The Cold War. And then, yeah. you know, you got the Vietnam War mm-hmm. and you got, uh, you know, then it kind of shifted to go uh, more towards, like, Muslims and Iraqis. And yeah. it's like we always have an enemy. Sure. Always. Yeah. It's, and that, it's just weird. It's it, weird that we're always, we always have someone to go against. Yeah. You know? And it almost makes it seem like... I'm not trying to sound like a hippie, but can't we just all fucking get along already? Like, we've been doing this for so long. It's like, yeah. why can't we all just be like, you know what? Just do what you want to do. Yeah. Well, I think um, I think where we fall, you know, the economy is a huge factor. Mm-hmm. You know, religion is a huge factor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, you know, you have countries that aren't doing very well. You have third world countries. You've got, you know, that's what people don't realize. It's not just the war in Iraq against, you know, in the war in Afghanistan. You know, it's not just... 
you know, the, those wars, there are proxy wars going on as we speak. Yeah. There are coups that are yeah. happening in, in 2017. Yeah, in, in, in Latin America, in, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, South America, you know, in, in, in Africa, you know, there there are, you know. Genocides. And, yeah, huh? and, and, we're, and the United States is involved, you know, mm-hmm. and so people don't realize there's so much going on mm-hmm. to keep us safe here mm-hmm. that people don't realize. Yeah. And I think if they did... And I think we'd have a little bit less crying and a little bit more, hey, let's just like drive on and try to make our day better, you know, and try make to make an example better. and try to make, you know, yeah. live by example, be a doer, you know, don't sit there. I mean, I can sit here and complain all day long yeah. that, you know, I can sit here all day long and complain that my, my driveway is not plowed. All that snow, son of a, I could burn the house down. It's not going to plow the snow. <laughs> Get up and go do it. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, that, and that's a very, you know, elementary sort of juvenile way to put it. But, you know, if you want change, go out and, you know, it's, start somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, complaining only gets you so far. Yeah. And especially if you're not in a position of power to really make that change. Uh, if you really want to see something get done, you got to jump in. Yep. You know, I you think betcha. it kind of, it all starts locally. You know, well, then who has time to go protest? There's a lot of things that I don't agree with, you know, during yeah. the Obama administration, even some things, you know, with Trump. But I'm not taking a week off work to go down to D.C. and freaking, you well, know, yeah. where do you find time out of your day? <laughs> all the thousands and millions. thousands, millions of people who have protest. What are you doing? Go back to class. Go back to work. You know, what are you doing? You know what I mean? I understand. Like you said, if it's peaceful, fine. It's a huge mm-hmm. moment, you know, in our in our you know, country, you know, every every four years or eight years we get a chance to elect, you know, the president. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't want to take, you know, uh, a week out of my time, you know, to go protest. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, decisions that are going to be made are going to be made, you know. Right. So, but uh, there are other ways of, of going at it. Mm-hmm. So, let's yeah. start locally, get in your local government. Yeah. You know, um, well, that's where it starts. Start a with, podcast. Like, how many people get pissed off about, like, uh, higher level government? Yeah. But then they can't even talk about their local government. Right. You know. And that's and, what kills me is, you know, if you're if you lean more conservative and you're and you're more of a Republican, I mean they want less government involvement. You know, let right. the state you know, let the local locals yeah, let decide the figure it out. Yeah, how you know, how much say, you know, we have in certain things, you know, and you know, Democrats and liberals, they tend to say, you know, more government, more regulation, you know, more involvement. And I think there's a happy medium, you know, sure. in there. So, but we're so polar opposite in this country. You know, it's hard to. That's why I don't even bring politics up anymore. That's, I'm fortunate enough where I work that uh, oil and gas. You know, our office is for the most part uh, conservative. <laughs> you know, so it can it can make for some pretty good pretty good uh, office conversations. You yeah. know, you don't have to worry about hurting anybody's feelings. You know, whereas maybe where you work, it's you know majority of the people might be you know more liberal. More liberal. Yeah. You know, so there's not really the the whole tiptoeing around which. I guess there should be, you know, you don't, you don't want to watch what you say in the office, but, For sure. uh, but yeah. there's a time and place to have those conversations. Yeah. And, uh, I just think a lot of people lose their, their objectiveness. Yeah. You know? Yep. For sure. They really do. I mean, you know, when Trump was running his campaign, I mean, I wasn't a fan of either of them. Sure. You yeah. know, but I think it's odd that we look for a perfect candidate. Yeah. It's an impossible thing. Like, and you see it every presidential election. And shit comes out. Well, he did this, and and she said that, and everything is a lie anyway. Well, they flip flopped. Like Hillary Clinton flip flopped on gay marriage. Well, I'm of like, course she well, did. She's yeah, a politician. She's a politician. A current- and times change. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it, for you to sit here and think that there's an honest politician. You're out of your mind. And I don't want someone that 
and 96 had an opinion about something and 2017 has the same exact opinion when there's you know the world has changed the world changed like, but certain I see I'm the opposite I think in cert, certain issues of uh of you know cer- certain issues, I, I like to see consistency. You for know? sure, for yeah. sure. But at the same time, I mean, they're again they're politicians. So even if they flip flop or even if they're consistent, mm-hmm. you don't know. Yeah. You know, you don't know. Well, it's a whether... projected image. Yeah, and it's usually a strategized image. Yep. And I don't. I think. Uh, I think we forget that sometimes that these people have. You know, it's not like Obama was sitting by himself and made the entire Obamacare plan. Sure. Like, there's an entire staff of people, and there's an entire uh, ecosystem. Yeah. That that and, makes that happen, and you ne- and you never know how it's going to pan out. You yeah. know, in theory, hey, this is going to work. The numbers look good. Yeah, you know, but when you implement it, and then you implement it to three hundred twenty million people. Yeah, this is probably some shit you're not going to. It's like oh think crap. Of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it, it, that's what I like about Trump is he's he's. I mean, you want to talk about a business minded person? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when you've got. You know that much experience, you know, running business, a business yeah. and being successful. You know, I get, I guess he did inherit some money. You know, but let's face it, I could inherit a million dollars, and I could guarantee you, I probably would be bad at managing a million dollars. You know, especially, you know, you know when when it comes to applying it to other businesses and investing. Yeah. You know, I'm not a businessman. I don't. I I wouldn't. You know, who knows? I I think I I might do well, but right. I might blow it too. You know, so but you have to learn to be wealthy. Yeah. So when you see people that win the lottery. Oh yeah, because they you know say if you got five million dollars, yeah, in five years they're not going to have ten million dollars. They're probably going to have like a couple hundred thousand. Sure, because you have to learn to be wealthy. Yeah, I mean you have to understand t- you know what to spend and how to spend it. You know for tax reasons, mm-hmm. you understand that the government's going to take a bunch. You know mm-hmm. anyway, right off the bat, thirty right. forty percent. And so yeah, you want to invest, you want to be smart, mm-hmm. and that's where again, I mean. I'm not an expert, but do I want somebody who's good at running a business mm-hmm. to be, I mean, essentially what, what they are running, you know, from the yeah. top is a business, you know what I mean? Right. So, and let's face it, we don't, we have a lot of debt in this country, mm-hmm. you know, so it'd be nice. I don't think there's a quick answer to that either, but. Well, that's just what's so, like a whole country goes in debt and it's, but then there's so much money too. Just, you print, know? It. just print it. Well, that's what's so weird. It's just like. You know, we'll say that we're millions and millions of dollars in debt. Trillions. Trillions, yeah. yet, like, there's all this money. It's, there's all all about, this mo- it's all about balancing. Yeah. yeah. It's all about managing that debt. And, you know, I mean, because there's taxes. You have consistent sources of income, and it's just, but the value of the dollar will continue to drop, you know, and inflation. And it's just, I mean, think about it. You used to be able to buy a car for three thousand dollars brand new yeah. and now you're paying 40 50 grand for a new car you know yeah. or realistically you know 20 30 grand for a new car right. yeah the cost of everything goes up but i again i don't know you you could sit here and argue politics all day long mm-hmm. and and but i don't have the slightest idea of how to run a country <laughs> half the stuff that they argue you know if you, you turn on the tv and you know you've got trump giving another speech and you got some you know being questioned i don't know what the heck's going on mm-hmm. i just want whoever's there to make the best decisions that they think that they can make. And then I guess we just have to, we elected them. So we have to sit, you know, we have to at least give them a chance for the next four years and yeah. try again Some four years do. from now, yeah. you know? So <laughs> I think that then like looking at history, I kind of understand why we have the electoral college. Yeah. Cause I think the electoral college is in place to make sure it sways back and forth. You betcha. You know? Well, cause look at the, look at the areas that main, I mean, I was surprised to see all the swing states that actually voted for Trump because you think about Cleveland. 
in Cincinnati and well, Columbus, and that's look, a majority. Well, there's a map, yeah, and it shows who voted for who. So when you look at like Cleveland and Cincinnati, it was all Democrat. Oh, sure, but then everything outside of that, yeah. of the major cities, was Trump, which is usually how it goes anyway. But mm-hmm. usually, the amount of people that come out to vote Trump, or in this case, you know, Republican, Republican. not as many. I think more people showed up to vote. This year, I don't. I mean, just I think last year for the last election for Obama, I think only three counties in Ohio voted Democrat, and Ohio went Democrat. All right. How crazy is that? It's a weird system. It is a weird system, but it works. You have states like Cali that don't even matter. (laughs) Yeah. But they're huge. Like that's a huge part of our country. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I I watched this one interview with Trump, and you know they're talking to him about how he lost the popular vote, but he won the electoral college and he's like yeah i mean uh hillary went to california i didn't go to california because i it doesn't matter like i played the game and i won the game the game is not to win the popular vote the game is to win the electoral college right so he's like that's why i go to ohio and michigan and pa and florida and like these states that have a huge impact on the on, on how the game's actually played sure you know and although i don't necessarily agree with I think with every politician, you're going to agree with some shit and you're going to disagree with some shit. Sure. Um, but what's really like disheartening is when a politician makes promises that they don't come through on. Sure. And especially in places like Ohio and Michigan and PA where, you know, I grew up in Warren, Ohio, and I saw the effect of when GM left. You oh, know, yeah. I mean, Still seeing our, our city yeah. was vibrant and everyone had money and like... It was all good, and then these plans go, and they go overseas, and it just completely restructures the town. Oh, yeah. And I think when he went out to these small cities and talked to these people and said, we're going to get your job back, we're going to bring manufacturing back to America. Sure. I think that's what really made a lot of people get behind him. Oh, yeah. Because Hillary was your very, very traditional candidate where, you know, uh, actually, there's this guy. Oh, what's his fucking name? He's, he made Dilbert. You know the Dilbert? Or yeah. Scott Adams. That's his name. Okay. Yeah. So he was a hippo... Hippotherapist? Uh, uh, not familiar. <laughs> brain farting like crazy right now. But essentially, he learned persuasion. Okay. Um, And he was talking about how Trump always uses the visual. So, like, you know, you could talk about something like ISIS. And Clinton's going to get on stage and say, you know... This is a, a small group out of um, a much larger crowd. Like, all Muslims aren't terrorists, but right. ISIS, you know. And she kind of breaks it down, and, you know, I have a game plan, but whatever. And Trump will get on stage and go... And there's a video oh, sure. of, of one of his rallies, and he says, They lock you in a cage. And you're in a cage, and they torture you in the cage. And it sounds dumb. Right. You're like, why does this guy keep saying cage? But then you don't realize that he puts a visual image in your brain. Right. And that's why he's repeating himself. That's why they're short sentences. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't say, you know, this is a terrorist organization out of, you know, it's a small sum out of. No, he goes, they torture you. Right. And then when you're done, you stay in the cage. Right. And you don't come out. Yeah. And people are sitting there like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Go take care of that. Yeah. Go Trump. <laughs> yeah. You know, so sure. he. He really knows how to speak to people, and he really knew how to, like, get people to rally behind him, and he knew how to kind of, like, and I hope at the end of his term, it wasn't, like, an exploitation of using people that are beaten down and kind of took advantage of them 
to, to, to win his campaign. I hope he really does bring jobs back. Sure. And, uh, and kind of, and, and that's the huge part. That's a huge part of what his whole campaign was. Is like, you know, the whole slogan, make America great again, yeah. bringing jobs back over here so that we can take some of that debt and, and stop being such consumers. Yep. Cause our economy hurts when we just consume. The middle class was at its best when we produced and consume. That's why China's kicking ass, because they produce and they consume. Sure. Where, you know, now we're just like, ship it from China. Right. You know, like, we're just going to keep consuming, consuming, consuming. And at some point, that's going to have to end. We're going to have to start producing again. Sure. You know? Yeah, Tom will tell. Yeah. You know, Tom will tell what, you know, I'd like to see. I'd love to see places like Warren and Youngstown. Yeah. Burst. I mean, shit, dude. Again. Youngstown used to be like New York City. Yeah. You yeah. know? I, and I don't, you know, I, I it's obviously before my time, but I, yeah. you, you hear the the old timers talking. Yeah. You know, not even old timers, just parent, our parents yeah. talk. But Route 422 used to be yeah. the place. Yeah. You know, that's where I used to go bar hopping down on 422. People and now, would fly to Youngstown to hang, like, come yeah. to Youngstown. Now, you don't venture south of Route 422 no. in Warren <laughs> at all. Like, you just nope. don't. You drive past it on the highway. Yeah. Ohio Avenue, don't turn down that road. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Yeah. And then you just see all these empty buildings and, you know, and that's, that's you know, it's, it's crazy. But, mm-hmm. you know, time will tell. Yeah. But, you know, it's over with. So I, yeah. I wish everybody would just go back to work. You know, I think that's where we're starting to get to now. Yeah. You know, I think initially people either people are really happy or people are really upset. Yeah. And now it's to a place where, you know, this is the situation. Yeah. And to be honest, man, every day I wake up and I'm still me and I'm still exactly. doing what I got to do. Yeah. You know, and how, I, I mean, how different has Trump? How, how has it hurt you so far that Trump is president? Has it hurt you in, in your day to day? No, no, exactly. Yeah. You know, so. I think when you look at how it affects you personally, uh, it, it hasn't been huge. But if you look at the macro, um, it's change. Sure. And a lot of people don't like change. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that are very comfort comfortable. Like kind of what we were talking about earlier, when you had someone had a job for thirty years, and you know they liked some of it, they didn't like some of it. But right. you know, I think that that's kind of like wearing out now. Yeah. With the new technological age, like a lot of people in our age bracket aren't going to have the same job for 30 years. No, you're, you yeah. know, I, w- I wish we could. <laughs> I'd love to be able to find I think a job. That's what, kind of what, what Trump's idea is to get back to that, where people worked out a plant their whole life. Sure. Well, not their whole life, but, you know, their whole like adult life. And then, you know, they retire and they have, you know, a, a, a system in place where once you retire, you're taken care of. I mean, right. You're not living like Trump, but you're taken care of. You can go get groceries and right. you have a place to stay and you have the basic essentials. Yeah. Um, and I hope to see that. I hope I hope that happens. Yeah. You know? Time will tell. Yeah, time will tell. Heck but it's that. fun. I, I, I think it's good. I think it's good that we have a little chaos. Yeah. You know? Because okay. kind of like what you're saying, we're just so sheltered, so protected, like, you know. Yeah. Keep make people a little bit less complacent. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But who knows? I mean, you could walk across the street. You, I mean, you get hit by a car tomorrow. Yeah. You know, guaranteed tomorrow. You know, yeah. so really, in the big scheme of things, just be the best person you can be. Yeah. You know, and just try to make a difference. But yeah. don't hurt anybody in the process. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But other than that, I mean, politics is sucks. Politics sucks. It does suck, yeah. but it's essential too. Yeah. Like if we didn't have politics, then like, what would life be like? You know, if we didn't have a system in place that had rules and regulations, and it was just kind of like, well, that's what happens. Yeah. Someone sees that opening, and they go, well, no one else is going to do it. Right. I can do that. Yep. You know? Yep. And, then and you, you get some crazy fuck like Hitler, and he's just like... 
Or Putin. Killing Jews, yeah. Yeah, killing Jews. Killing Jews left and right. Yeah. You know, but it's not like Hitler, right off the bat, was like, all right, we're going to fucking kill all the Jews. Right. You know, it builds and it... Yeah. You know, Propaganda. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Propaganda's a motherfucker. See, Hitler came in this conversation. They say, if you talk for any amount of time, what's that, what's that called? There's something out there's some ism or something out there where if you talk long enough on a subject, Hitler Hitler, Hitler will up. come up and Hitler just came up. Must be politics. Hitler itself is propaganda. Sure. Because Stalin killed double the amount of people that Hitler did, and people do not look at Stalin like the way they look at Hitler. Yeah. Like Hitler is almost like the criteria of the most fucked up you can get. Yeah. But Stalin had double the amount of deaths. Like Hitler had around like nine to ten million. Stalin had over twenty million deaths. That's crazy. You know? But yeah. it's because he was kind of like on our side. We don't look at it like that. We yeah. look at Hitler as like the plateau of evil. You know? It's all bad. It's all bad. That's crazy. It's just like, you know, I wake up and I, I want to be as nice as I can to people. But I want to have really great conversations. And I want to learn. Sure. And to think about like how that guy woke up every morning. Like what did that guy think about? When he's like trying to produce a mass genocide of some of, of a group of people because of their beliefs. It's crazy. You know? Like, what kind of, like, brain structure does that guy have? They say he's still alive. You know, they say, you ever watch they that They say history? everyone's still alive, bro. Tupac's in Cuba, like... Don't they have a show, Finding Hitler, or something like that, on History Channel? They, I think they, they really do. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. You know? That's, yeah, Tupac. I mean, I'm thinking if... If he was still alive, like... Who even gives a shit? The guy's probably so fucking old. Yeah. Like... And he obviously didn't do any. If he was still alive, he didn't do anything past the point that, you know, they proclaimed him to kill himself. Right. You know? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. That's what's fun about it, though. It's just like, you have this, like, Hitler's not a person. He's an idea. Yeah. He's an ideology now. Yes. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) It's crazy. That's the best answer, though. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Because even though we just had this great conversation, we still don't know. There's so much shit that we don't know about. Right. You know? Yeah. I do love, though, when uh, Trump and Obama had their, like, first meeting after he got elected. Yeah. And you could just tell Trump was like, the fuck did I just get myself into? Yeah. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> it worked. Right. It worked. And Obama- like, I'm in here, and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> and Obama's thinking the same thing. It worked. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Now I hear you. Yeah, man. So switching gears, how's, uh, how's Kent State treating you out here? It's cool. Yeah. I like Kent, you know. I like that it's a small city that if we want to go do big city shit, you can. You can go up to, like, Cleveland. Yeah. You know? It's pretty cool. honestly, Pittsburgh's only two hours away. I mean, there's definitely some stuff we can go hit. Yeah. Um, Looks like it's building up, even more so in the past year, year and a half. Uh, yeah, more man. apartment you complexes. you drive around down there. Um, yeah. Was that in the corner of DePeister De in, mm-hmm. in Maine? They put up those new apartment buildings there? Yeah, my girlfriend runs it. Oh, really? She manages uh, flats, yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a big job, you know. And it's, it's cool to see a city come this far. I mean, when you first came to Kent and when I first came to Kent, it looked completely different. Oh, that whole... But then yeah. you kind of see what happens when you have a town that's very towny and it kind of goes corporate, you well, know. A lot of old-timers that grew up in Kent, they don't like the changes that right. are happening. In fact, I know my girlfriend's stepdad, you know, grew up in Kent. Oh, okay. He don't he doesn't come to Kent. Yeah. I think the car, one car show Kent has, he'll bring his car down, but he, he'll avoid it cuz yeah. you know, it's changed. You know, people don't like change, yeah. like you said, but yeah, that's weird. It's weird that people don't like change cuz it's inevitable. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I don't I don't think you really grow if you're always comfortable. 
No. The only the only way to grow is to get uncomfortable. Sure. Get you outside know, and your, learn. Get outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's a, a very big gap in people's lives, and then like 40 hits, around 40, and then you're pretty set. Yeah. You're pretty set on your views on the world. You're pretty set on like, you know, how you want to live your life. Sure. Where I think between like, you know, 15 and, and 30, you're like figuring it out. You know, you're kind of figuring it out. You're just like consuming so much information. And you're trying to build your own perspective on it. Sure. You know. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I, I pre- mean, that's why like young people always go to war. Like you'll never see the military be like, we need some forty-year-olds. Right. You know. Yeah. There were some young people that just haven't really figured it out yet. Yep. And oh, that you can break them down and, and break them. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You're not going to break down the forty-year-old guy, no. and he's probably not going to give you too much because he's kind of out of shape. Yeah, he might probably didn't take care out. of himself too well. You know. <laughs> And I was a little beat up, and it's like, hey, you don't want that guy. Too many around. burgers, congestive heart yeah. failure, you know, the usual diabetes. That. You know. <laughs> well, it's, it's weird. It's weird that we have all these illnesses, and, and people are like, what's the cure? What's the cure? It's like, the cure is to not have it happen in the first place. Right. That's the cure. Yeah. You know, people eat themselves into food comas, and then they get diabetes, and they're like, well, well, how do I fix this? And it's like, well, you fix it by not shoving fucking hamburgers down your throat right five times a week it's crazy people do it people do it and i don't think there's anything wrong with like having some death food especially when you're young so you can digest it but it's just like with the maybe once a week yeah treat yourself it's about balance yeah it's odd you say treat yourself but it's you know it's hurting your body (laughs) so i'm gonna treat myself to this you know greasy well death is treat i mean when people drink like think about liquor yeah you know people like drink liquor it's poison. Like, that's yeah. what liquor is. It's poison. Sure. Like, it's no joke. Yeah. When it's going down your throat and it burns, like, that's poison. Yeah, you it's, know? It's uh, fitting. That's why they call it, po- what's your poison? Yeah, what's your yeah. poison? Yeah. But it's like, treat yourself with poison. Yeah. You know? It's crazy. It's counterintuitive. And it always, like, it, like, irks me a little bit when people go, like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a salad. I'm like, like, when I go out to eat, I eat healthy. And I'm like, no, dude. You want to eat healthy at home. Yeah. And then I was going to say, I'm the, you want to, yeah, I was gonna say, I'm the opposite. Like, I'll go out and I'll, I'll try to eat. I'll try to pick some healthier options. Mm-hmm. But let's face it. it's I'm going to get a burger. Yeah. You know, I'm going to get something. And then when I'm at the house is when I'm going to take time. You you're going to the deer. Exactly. You know? Yeah. But you're not going to go out and be like, well, I'm going to have a, a salad. Like, you don't know anything that's in that salad. You don't know where any of that food came from. Right. And so, how healthy is it? I mean, I got food poisoning. I got to tell you this story. Yeah, it was uh, it was the week. It was right around Christmas, and I was uh, running some errands. And I stopped, and you know, Subway was having their Reuben. Oh shit! Now I, I was new to a Reuben, you know, about a year <laughs> ago. I had my first one in, in, okay. in a restaurant. I liked it. I'm like, I'm gonna try that Subway. Was it? Is that beef? It's corned beef. Corned beef. Okay. Corned beef and okay. sauerkraut and yeah. cheese. You know, Thousand Island dressing. Well, long story short, horrible sandwich. But yeah. I ended up getting food poisoning. So Ooh. I ate the sandwich. Uh, my girlfriend and I went to a uh, Christmas party down in Carrollton mm-hmm. and, uh, <clears throat> you know, had, had a, had a bourbon and Coke, you know, not just one, you know, yeah. ate some food and I'm like, oh man, you know, I didn't feel too good. I didn't know what was going on. I just knew I didn't feel good. Only there for an hour. Mm-hmm. So I told my girl, I said, we got to go, you know, and that's not like me. You right. Know? <laughs> and so I make it all the way, all the way to ironically another subway. <laughs> Stop. All comes full circle. I never threw up this much. I don't remember ever throwing up this much in my entire life. Damn. Yeah, but I, I barely got out of the truck. Were you like dry heaving? 
Was it that bad? Oh, there was no dry heaving. It was just all... Just kept coming. Yeah. And so I, as soon as I step out of the truck for like a minute, and then I run around the side as as my girlfriend's hopping over to drive, but, yeah. and I open that door, and I'm like heaving over on that side, and I was sick for an entire week Damn. from eating that. So I'll tell you what, I don't wish food poisoning on anyone. It's like torture. Oh, it's horrible, man. I couldn't hold anything down yeah. at all. It was bad. But yeah, don't eat the subway room and don't eat the subway room and <laughs> it's bad. I won't go back. I haven't been there ever since. I look at the meat and subway and it just does not look legit. Go down to Franklin Square Deli and get a yeah. sandwich. Oh, it's so good. Well, there's so many local places that you can yeah. get better better food, better ingredients. And that you don't yeah, and they, they take better care of checking the temperature and make sure the food's good. Well, they have more to lose. Yeah. You know, if you have a local business, I mean they'll have maybe a restaurant or a couple restaurants, but they gotta know that their quality has to be higher because they don't have the marketing persuasion. If a dozen people got food poisoning from Franklin Square Deli. It shut down. It, yeah, yeah. Where I that mean, same amount of people could do that subway, but since it's such a huge corporation, it really Look at Chipotle, yeah. for instance. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had that huge scandal. People still go to Chipotle. Speaking of, I haven't been to Chipotle. Fuck Coli. They're like, I'm, I need a burrito, bro. <laughs> I haven't been to Chipotle since we graduated from college. I, I mean, just, it's the college. It's I just, like the I college can't eat it. food. Yeah. I overdid it. I can't do it anymore. I just can't you do it. it all the time? No. It's just something about the meat. It's just, yeah. I get, I crave it once yeah. every six months and I eat it. Yeah. And it's just, it, I feel sick. I feel not. It just, the food doesn't set well. Yeah. I don't know if it's a seasoning they use. I made a decision. To never eat it again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, we stay away from that type of shit. Yeah. You know? Um, You've been to the new Mexican joint down there? It's uh, La Terrazas down there. It's where the old guacamoles was. No. Have you, do you know where guacamoles was? Uh-huh. Yeah. They put a new one in there. Okay. It's pretty good. The, uh, right across the street from there, they have, it's called Toco Japan. Uh, have Abaji. you been there? Yeah, uh, like three times. It still looks like a Ponte Grossa to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, know, they, they just got the building. They didn't change anything. <laughs> Except the food. Except the food. Yeah. Is yeah. it good? Yeah. So it's it's basically just a Chinese buffet. It's cheaper. Or Japanese. It's a bocce. A bocce? Yeah. Like they cook in front of you. They actually cook in front of you there. Mm -hmm. Son of a gun. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go hibachi route, I mean, there's definitely better restaurants. But just because it's so close and it's it's not as high of a price. Yeah. Um, But yeah, man. You still go to Evergreen? Uh, yeah, every once in a while. Every once in a while. Yeah, every (laughs) once in a while when, uh, you know, groceries are low and it's like, I just want to go. Just get some food. I want to go get some poison, yeah. you know? What a, Treat myself. Yeah. that's uh, Evergreen's pretty good. I don't, see, I don't ever go to Chinese because, you know, the girlfriend doesn't like Chinese, so yeah. it's a real treat for me if I get it. Chinese is a risky business, you know? it's a, You're taking a little risk there. I think people eat Chinese more for the people watching than anything else. You go to a Chinese buffet. Yeah. It's the people watching. Yeah. People. I love the people watch. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really great to observe people. Oh, yeah. You know? Yep. Especially when they're in environments you can tell they're like maybe a little uncomfortable in. Sure. Or uh, need to get a little used to. Yep. You know? It's kind of interesting to see how different people react and, and and like how they perceive what's going on to them or with them. Sure. You know? Yeah. But that's what makes it cool. You yeah. know? There's so many different people. There's so many different mindsets and walks of life that I think the more of those people you can communicate with and get outside of your own group that kind of thinks alike yeah the more broader of a perspective you're gonna have sure and um that's just a better way to kind of keep keep in mind that like your your view of life is not the only view sure and your problems that maybe not you know those could be huge problems to some other people and that could not even be an issue to some other people right you know like when 
Uh, someone would complain, maybe like you ordered a dish and the server brought you another dish out. I didn't order this. I'm not coming back. It's like, right. dude, there's like people that don't even get water every day. Right. Like, yeah. Someone just gave you a plate of food and, you know, I mean, mistakes happen. Oh, Shit happens. Right. Like, exactly. Is that the end of the world? That's what I'm saying. We're, that's why I come right back. We're spoiled. Yeah. And, I mean, if you woke up every morning, like I said before, and your only goal was to survive, I mean, imagine how much you would, you know, just that shower, that hot shower. Or that, that mean the world to you? Oh, a bed like that. Yeah, you know. I mean, how awesome yeah. would you would you wouldn't take anything for granted? No. You know. No. But if, if we wake up and it's you know, we take so much for granted. We do. It's sixty five in here. I told it to be on seventy. Right. You know. Yeah. Or it's like you're warm. <laughs> just think about something as 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 juvenile as arguing with your significant other on where to eat. Mm-hmm. Think about that for yeah. a minute. You know, if you legitimately get pissed off because your girlfriend doesn't know where she wants to eat and nobody wants to make a decision, just think about how many people and how many third world countries. Now, mind you, that, I, first world problems. You know, you've heard yeah, that cliche sure. statement, but at the same time, it's true, it puts things in perspective. Yeah, yeah, it's true though. I mean, when I came back from Iraq the second time, I mean, there were times, there were months where we went without showers. You know, you had to use yeah. baby wipes. You know, how was that? So, like, you came back after the first tour. Mm-hmm. And you're home for eleven months. You 11 said eleven months, yeah. But you did you like go home, or you just went back to your naval base? Well, uh, well I visited home for thirty days leave. Okay. So I was home for thirty days, and then I went. So back. you're home for these thirty days, and like, you know, you come home to what you're what your normal used to be. Oh, dude, it is. You've never. I almost can't put into words uh, when you've been gone for so long, yeah. and not just gone. I mean, you can go visit, right? You but you have a whole other like way of oh, living. It's almost I can't I can't explain it. You know I've never I've never I've never taken you know drugs. Mm-hmm. You know so I don't know what it feels like to to take acid or you know to have some sort of mind altering just sort of you know moment. But I can say that when you come back from overseas from being there for you know for years year I mean essentially a year a year you know twelve right. plus months. I mean just it's just it's almost like you I mean you're on cloud nine to where I mean. It, that's the closest I've ever been to being high was coming back from the Middle East and you know just setting foot, you know, on U.S. soil and just you when know. You say a high? Do you, is it like a good? Oh feeling yeah, okay. yeah. Like euphoria. I mean, like like man, what do I want to do today? Yeah. I, like oh, I'm gonna go to Wendy's. You know, yeah. I can do whatever I want. You're not, you know, you're not confined to a tent. Yeah. You know, and then you to know, a schedule into the stress and yeah. just I mean the stress. I mean, I didn't. I didn't smoke cigarettes before I joined the army, and when I got out of the army, I was smoking two packs a day. Yeah, you know, um, it's like a little stress relief. Oh, it just just yeah. that. However long it took you to smoke a cigarette, that was like your your break. That, that I'm, I'm I'm just taking myself out of the equation for however long it takes yeah. you to smoke that cigarette, and you got your nicotine, and you were right back in it. But I mean, it was just stepping foot on American soil, just having that feeling. You're back home, mm-hmm. family, friends. The terrain, you know, the the, the fresh air, you know, yeah. being away from the dust storms and the sand and the stress and just the hassle. I mean, oh, it was awesome. I'll never be yeah. able to recreate that feeling. Yeah, and it just it was it was so identical. It felt good to be. Home. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it overseas, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'd go back if I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't think you can't manufacture that feeling coming so you, back. You get home for thirty days. Yeah, and then how long was it till you went to your, on your second tour? Uh, it was the eleven months, so you went thirty days. So essentially, ten, 10 months. months you went back on your base. Yeah, no, ten month, uh, thirty days went home on leave, okay. came back to base, and then continued to train to get ready for the second. Gotcha. You never stopped training. Gotcha. So, 
How was it when you came back the second time then? Was it kind of like the same feeling? Same feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But not as intense because you already kind of had that experience before? It was just as good coming back. But at the same time, I was feeling like uh, I had the mindset that I knew I was getting out. Mm-hmm. Six months later, I was getting out, and I knew that I had to start preparing myself to be a civilian. Because for me, for the past five years, I was, you know, you were basically you were told where to be, told yeah. what to do, and you, I mean, you didn't, you had to think, but I mean, a lot of thinking was done for you, right. and so you were trying to prepare yourself to. Because think about it, a lot of my friends had already graduated from college and had already mm-hmm. been in careers, and here's me, I'm just starting out again. Yeah, you know, so I had to, I had to take what I learned in the military, the leadership. Uh, skills or attributes, you know, that you polished and, you know, take what I learned in the military and apply it to my life in the civilian world and try to be successful, you yeah. know, and I, I think I, I think I did good at it, you yeah. know, but uh, you're still about four years behind everybody else, you know, that your peers, yeah. you know, but uh, no, it was great. Yeah. What do you think was like the hardest part about coming back? Uh, to me, the hardest part of coming back and adjusting to being a civilian was everything slowed way down. Mm-hmm. You know, because in the military, there's a, and if you've been in the military, you understand, hurry up and wait. (laughs) Uh, You were constantly told to be in a hurry, be in a hurry. And if you didn't have anything to do, they're going to find something for you to do. Whether that was out, you know, mowing grass with a pair of scissors, mopping floors, out on a range, you know, doing missions, you know, training, whatever it may be. Reorganizing your, your rucksack 50 times, taking inventory. I mean, you always, you never stopped. When you get home, you don't have that bureaucracy. You don't have someone over top of you saying do this get this done yeah it's almost like man what am i gonna do with all this time (sighs) it's almost like things slowed way down you know and that was the hardest thing to adjust to was that i didn't necessarily have to be doing something every second yeah you know but you felt like you had to felt like i had to because you're so used to doing that yeah yeah but i mean that's probably why i mean on top of just like your upbringing too but like why you work so hard sure because you have that your brain that like like let's get it done. Let's get it done. Let's oh yeah, get it done. Oh, I can't leave anything half finished. Yeah. Same thing when I'm remodeling my house right now. Yeah. If I if I and it's it's bugging me now because I've got a hole in the ceiling because I, I was kind of late getting here because I'm like oh, I want to put this in real quick you mm-hmm. know and I, I hate leaving something half done like I want to see yeah. that at my place you know what yeah, I mean yeah, and it's sure. and so yeah I'm the kind of person I got when I start something I got to finish it mm-hmm. you know so and uh, I guess that that mentality is great for the military yeah you know? but you know some people are cut out for for the military right. you know that's why they have uh that's why they have navy and air force <laughs> you know so if you don't want to yeah. be a marine or you don't want to be a you know an infantry soldier in the army you know go ahead and join the chair force and and uh help in a different capacity so yeah. but it's yeah. awesome i mean everyone can play a part you betcha you yeah. know it doesn't necessarily have to be you're going over there to fight you know yeah um everybody's on the same team having like the self-awareness of knowing what you're really good at and focusing on that as opposed to trying to get good at something you're really bad at and maybe not if you're so like a natural at i don't know excel spreadsheets yeah then you're gonna go you're gonna want to be your accountant game yeah you're an admin guy there's a lot of money in the military i'm sure they can use some accountants sure (laughs) yeah brush up on your skills of laundering money so when you get out you can be a a wealthy guy yeah but no, that's yeah. yeah I mean, everybody has different talents. Yeah. And you gotta find your niche. You know, because I mean, you're you're a really like special case because you kind of came back and you. It kind of seems like you just kind of got back into civilian life and yeah. Uh, not every soldier kind of has that transition. Sometimes people have a lot harder time. Oh yeah, transitioning back into society. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Do I you mean, think because because they have a different experience overseas? 
Well, yeah. Is it because they handle it differently? Yeah, pe- I mean, people are affected differently. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, like I said, you could have some predispositions that, you know, that, that make you, you know, react a certain way. But, yeah, a lot of people come back, and a lot of people, well, let's face it, a lot of people have seen a lot of stuff over there, and they, you know, and, uh, it, you you never quite the same, you know, mm-hmm. and so a lot, you know, like my brother, for instance, he handles things a little bit different. Mm-hmm. He has a hard time being in crowds. He has a hard time, you know. He has anxiety. He has um, post traumatic stress disorder. I mean, and it's a struggle. Yeah. People don't realize PTSD is it's real. Yeah, the symptoms aren't all the same. You know, you might have PTSD. I might have PTSD. We might show you know different symptoms. You mm-hmm. know, so yeah, I mean, different people handle it differently, and and it's mm-hmm. uh. Something like I said before, you could you could have two people who went same deployment, you know, had the same same occurrences, and the one guy's the one guy's going to be affected differently than the other, you know. Definitely, so, yeah. And how do you feel like you know? I'm sure there's like a certain group of guys that that you're over there with, and, mm-hmm. and when I talk to veterans, they seem to seem to like have this bond with them that you just really can't have with anyone else. Oh, no, you can't. I mean, you're. You're spending every second of every night and day. I mean, yeah. your your life is dependent on the guy, and right. that starts at basic training. It starts when you know, like we talked before. I mean, you're you're taught to you got to you got to trust the guy standing beside you. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, you're put in situations where they you know they're they could save your life and vice versa. You know, yeah. and you're. I mean, when it's cold out, you're huddling up. We call it homo huddling, you know. I mean, when it's cold out, you got to stay warm, you know. Yeah. I mean, you you are you get you know a certain kind of intimacy, you right. know, with the guys you served with, and yeah, you don't get that bond anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. yep. So, do you still stay like in contact with those guys that came back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, social media is great for helping with that. Yeah, you know? but yeah, I, I have I met up every six months to a year to you know have a reunion. No, I haven't done that. But yeah, we yeah. stay in touch. Yeah. yeah, the ones you served with and you were the closest to, you definitely stay in touch with. Yeah, yeah. and I've <laughs> new bonds. I've met people at the university here who were veterans. Yeah. It was kind of like an active military. Bond, oh yeah, you know, because someone that never served would just wouldn't understand. Yeah, it's common ground, yeah. and you you have that substance. You have the you know you have things you can talk about and relate to, and and uh, yeah, I mean uh, one specifically, I went to his wedding. You know, I've you know if, uh, we don't talk a lot, but you know, I mean, it's the kind of friendship and bond that you have. Where if you needed something, you could just call and drop what you're doing yeah. and help them out. It's like a mutual respect. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you betcha. Well, it's yeah. like I'm, I'm sure it's similar to. I'm by no means comparing, you know, military, you know, the bond to your your brothers and in, in arms, you know, to fraternities or sororities. But I mean, you see the similar, mm-hmm. you know, it's the the team mentality. Yeah, they, you live together, you yeah. party together, you know, you get, yeah. you nurse your hangovers together. <laughs> I guess you're gonna have a certain, because you, you hear of fraternities, you know, yeah. if there's 15 of you, you every single you go to 15 different weddings after college, you yeah. know, and as gay as that sounds to me, you know. <laughs> People do it, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> I, as 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 odd as that sounds, I don't want to use gay. You know? <laughs> we'll correct that right now. It's okay. Thirty people will watch this. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be all right. You betcha. Yeah. But no, it's it's neat. You just have to you have to take the experiences that you've had, and you got to learn from it, and you got to you know enjoy it. Yeah. So enjoy life. Yeah. So right on. I mean. The chances of you becoming a human being are so astronomical yeah. that the fact that you're even here is so remarkable. I know. You know, and it it is special. Yeah. You know, I mean, your dad could have decided to have another beer or your mom could have decided to like not go over that night. Your mom could have swallowed you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she could have missed. <laughs> you know, like 
Anything could happen. You know, some cases probably should have swallowed. You know, I'm just throwing that out there. You know who so, you are. <laughs> so for that to all just work, yeah, and all to come together and to happen, it's such. Yeah, you know, regardless if you're religious or not, I mean that is. Oh, it's a miracle, you're 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 vain. You know? to, you're vain to think that there's not a higher power involved, and you mm-hmm. think of how how just complicated and how I mean the human body, just like you said, just conception, how you know how human how, how a human being being is formed. I mean, it's crazy to think that it's just so it, much has to go right. Yeah, like even okay, so you know the jizz is in there. And then you have like nine months to still fuck it up. Sure. You know? Yeah. And then once you're out, like, it takes, you know, the doctors and nurses to do one fuck up and right. you're done. You know, there's just so many variables put in place. Like, oh, yeah. Yep. So for you to be here alive, well, healthy, good to go, fully coherent, like... It's pretty lucky. Very lucky. Yeah. Very lucky. Yeah. And especially when you live in a place like America, you're just like, wow. Yeah, you don't have you to worry the, about hit the jackpot. You don't have to worry about being born with age. You know, like say in Africa. You know, yeah, not age, not a scale like something. Yeah, like I mean, I mean, there are so many different you know things that could happen to you at childbirth. You know, living oh, in third yeah, world countries yeah. and all right. With that being said, even even in America, yeah, you know, say even you know, you know if you're if you're in poverty or whatever, yeah. you know, and you don't have you know access to health insurance and things mm-hmm. of that nature. But yeah, you're pretty lucky to be to be born. So you got to make the most of it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so. And not to slump through life, you know? You could. A lot of people, like some people do. Yeah. You know, some people are just like, oh, and like I'm here. <laughs> it's like, man, you got Life's this. Life's too short. You got this, like, it's a gift. It's a gift to it, be able to be the way we are. And it's short. I mean, think about short. it, man. Think about yeah. it. You, we've all had loved ones who passed away. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, you know, 100 years. Yeah. Which, we're not, we don't all make it to 100, you know, 70, 80 years. I think that, like, some time. of that is 100 years old today and how much they've seen. Oh, sure. I've always yeah. thought it'd be awesome to be born in the year 2000 and live to be, you know, maybe, maybe even be born in, like, 1890. Yeah. You were essentially a, alive to witness... The industrial you know, age. Well, and... it, think about it. Electricity. Yeah. You went from driving a horse, riding a horse and buggy. Right. You know, and having just U.S. mail... Mm-hmm. To, you know, I mean, you got to see somebody, I mean, from no technology to people being on the moon to cell phones. Yeah. How crazy is that? It's a journey. My goodness. And you'll never yeah. have, you'll never have a group of people who are born, who are alive, who, 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 who are going to see such a rise in technology, you know, such exponent. I mean, maybe we will, who knows? Yeah. I mean, but you I talk- think we will. I yeah. think we will, but it's different because those people started from Started from, from nothing. Started at the bottom. Yeah, they started from yeah. nothing, and, yeah. and and it has grown over time. And you know, if, if you were like an alien looking down on our planet, and you just saw all these ants on the anthill running around, like you'd have you know question like, what are these things doing? Sure. And I think what we're doing as a species, we are building technology to push evolution to the next step. What do you think that is? AI, artificial intelligence. You for think sure. so? For sure. Dude, you already talked to a fucking robot. Yeah. What do you think Surrey is and Google and, and like you're talking to a robot that's feeding you information back, but you're not looking at it. Yeah. You know? So do you, I mean, do you, th- I read an article the other day and I don't know if it was fictitious or if it was, you know, if it was a satire or what it was, but they said Google's already looking into uh, contacts that you wear yeah. that are, of that course. is essentially your phone. Of course. So, and, it, they and it's have, activated by blinking. Well, they already have Google Glass. Right. Glasses. Yeah. So if you think they have Google Glasses in 2017, yeah. in 2027, 
It's not that far fetched. How is insane? How insane is that? You blink blink ten times really fast, or blink three mm-hmm. times really fast, and then you bring up a screen, and you're just you know you're just you know we're gonna, we're gonna live in a virtual world. It's crazy, you know. Um, and I think that our species, as a whole, you know, if you look down, you wouldn't see mailmen and vets and you know veterinarians, and you would just see people. Yeah, you see people, and us as a species. To push evolution forward, we'd have to make something that's better than us. And that's what's happening, you know? Take I mean, the questions, the reason we ask uh, Siri questions is because we don't know the answers. But we're going to get to the point where that thing is going to not, they already know the answers, but we're going to have it so they can regurgitate it back and then maybe even act on it, you know? I just think it's crazy to think, you think about your dad. Back in the late '60s, early '70s, or maybe mm-hmm. you know, maybe a little bit later than that, if you wanted to find something out, you opened up an encyclopedia. It take hours to find it out. But at the same, but you're learning in yeah. the process. You know, there's something to be said. I mean, I could find an answer or something, but am I really learning anything mm-hmm. about it? You know. Well, that's what's happening. You know, it's, it's the complete access to information. Yeah. And so we don't necessarily like the reason we can work faster is because we don't need to know everything. Sure. We can find the answer. Uh, implement that part into where we need oh, to go man. to progress. If I don't know how to wire mm-hmm. that switch over there, it's I'm just going to pull video. up a YouTube video. Yeah, a YouTube hey, how video. do you wire a three-way switch? Well, here it is. Like, yep. Son of a gun. Ten minutes or an hour later, I've wired a three-way yeah. switch. Where before, you'd have to find someone that knows what they're well, doing. you'd leaf through a book. Yeah. And you'd, you'd have to read book, two or three yeah. chapters worth of a book. And by then, you've you've kind of it retained some you of that. you got an idea. Yeah. And then you go out and you try it out and you do some things right, you do some things wrong, you kind of keep... But we eliminate so much oh, of that busy work. Now. I mean, I could I could rewire that three-way switch. Mm-hmm. Be the only thing... I Only wiring I've ever done in my life. And a year later, hey, how do you wire a three-way switch? Oh, man, I've done it before. I don't know. Yeah. Look it up on Pull YouTube. Up yeah. yeah. Dummy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it all goes. And I don't think the AI thing is going to happen... Maybe like in our lifetime, yeah. But I do think in the next hundred, you know, couple hundred years, uh, we're gonna have, you know, kind of like what's happening right now with our grandparents seeing a whole new way of life. Yeah, we'll be a part of that whole new way of life when we're older. Think about how many you people know? are gonna be on this earth in a hundred years. Is there gonna be a lot be room of for all? I think there's gonna be some. I mean, you think about every major civiliz- civilization, mm-hmm. you know, about every couple thousand years. You know, think of Rome. Think of, you know, you yeah. get to a certain point and then what happens? Yeah. It tumbles. You know, so one's our yeah. time. You know what yeah. I mean? Is it going to be within our lifetime? Who knows? Yeah. But it's got, there's a breaking point. It'd be interesting to be a part of that. Yeah. You know? I don't want to be anywhere near it. I do and I don't. Yeah. You know, like, I don't because I love the way life is. <laughs> yeah. I love that I can go, okay, Google, and then it, you know, it tells me what I need to know. Yeah. Um... But what if technology, you, you're old enough to remember Y2K. Of course. You know, what if there was a certain point where technology just, it crashed, you know, and we didn't have it. And and it was like, you know, economic we wouldn't know failure. What to do. And, yeah, I mean, so. Well, war wouldn't sue, and only the strong would survive. Yeah. So, I know? mean, you'd have to learn how to live off the land, you know, which. But you just, wouldn't. If you didn't well, already know how to live exactly. off the land, you'd be killed. Which brings us full circle back to, you know, farming. Yeah. You know, we're going how, back to the basics. Yeah. So we, we've, I think with all the technology, we've kind of forgot about the basics. Sure. And um, yeah, I mean, if you want to do a wipe exti- extinction, I don't think you really need to do a nuclear bomb. I think if you eliminate the economic uh, system, it's going to be, you know, if we get to the point where a lot of people question religion now, 
And you, so you deal with a lot of people that don't believe in a certain religion. Because when religion was first put in place, it was giving people that were stronger the idea that in the afterlife you'll be punished for hurting others. That's how they stopped bad motherfuckers from being bad motherfuckers. Because they're like, all right, well, in the next life, like you're going you're you're to pay the consequences for this. Sure. So yeah. I think once you eliminate that and then you eliminate the economic system, that people would just be like, fuck it. You know, we'd go right back to, you know, I'm the dominant. Right. You're either going to be submissive or dominant. Yeah. And the submissives will will be extinct and the dominance will prevail. Sure. You know, until there's only dominance and then dominance will fight other dominance until, you know, either a certain pack survives or whatever. Sure. Um, I just think that's how it would probably play out if I had to take a guess, you know. I won't be around, I'm sure, when it happens. I'm hoping not. Yeah. You know? But uh <laughs> if it does, it would be interesting to be a part of. Yeah. You know? You betcha. You know? And it's it's not that far fetched. I mean I think I think it was like two or three years ago. I mean New York City had no power for like a week. Yeah. Like how fucking crazy is that? Yeah. That like the one of the biggest cities in the world lost their power yep. due to a hurricane. And it's not that far fetched that that could happen on both sides of the continent. Sure, you know? with our with our infrastructure, yeah. you know, which isn't as good as it needs to be. Yeah, you yeah. know, so yeah, crazy. Who knows? Yeah. Technology is awesome, man. Yeah. I'd get. I don't wear contacts, but I think if Google had a phone, how awesome would that be? To where you just yeah. blanked and you brought everything up. I mean, nobody would know that you were cruising Facebook at the work in the workplace. <laughs> you know, you just sitting there blanking, looking at it. It's kind of neat. I don't even know if we would have a workplace at that point. Really? Like, if technology got to that point, why would you need to go to an office? Like, you could have meetings with other people that had the contacts. You wouldn't even have to leave. You can you can do that now. True. I mean, you know, you True. can do that. There's, you know, there's, you know, uh, tele, you know, you can teleconference like from the house. Yeah. Yeah. But there's something about the cohesiveness of a, of a of, workplace. Yeah. I think a lot of, well, a lot of companies right now are going to where you work at home half the week and then you work right. in the office. But I don't, you know, what I... You get you get away you know you, there's some sort of a you know you know, like I say group cohesiveness you know if you don't go into work yeah. you're not you're not building it's not a lot of unity yeah you're not building yeah. those relationships you're not there's no trust you right. know it's just I have a job to do I'm going to do it and you know you're not you don't know the other person's intentions and it's I think there's a lot to be said about you know being in the workplace and well, building it's hard those to find the bigger picture you yeah. know like you're not going to understand the bigger picture if you're always working by yourself yeah and if you don't have like any unity with the team. And you don't see, like, everyone's position sure. and why their part's important, you know? Like, yep. uh, I always use, like, football as an analogy. Like, a football team has to really be in sync if they want to be successful. Because yep. everyone on that field plays a part. Yeah, we can use the Browns as a perfect uh, example <laughs> for non-teamwork. <laughs> Poor management. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully that's turned around this year. But no, I see that. Yeah. It's a. Uh, it's one of those things where uh, it's a necessary evil to go into work. I hate work. I mean, I like work, mm-hmm. but uh, I wish I was my own boss. In a lot see, of ways, see, I do and I don't because when you're your own boss, there is no. Oh, it's. I mean, it's, it's always. Going. It's on you. It's always going. Yeah. And uh, you know when when people. Say, like, I want to be my own boss, but then they only want to work, like, 30 hours a week. And I'm like, but you couldn't handle being your own boss. Because right. ha- being your own boss, there is no, like, 9 to 5. Oh, it's you just seven, are. It's, yeah. 
Yep, three sixty five. You betcha. Twenty four seven. Like you know, if shit goes down, you're getting the call. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, if anything happens, you're going to get the call. So there is no like clock in and clock out when it comes to that type of stuff. It definitely takes a certain kind of person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes a leader, kind of like what we were talking about uh, when you're in the service. Like either you're a leader, or you're not. Right. And I think it's it's so like essential that people learn and understand that. And there's nothing wrong with not being a leader. Right. Like there's nothing wrong with being a great number three. Yeah, because that third position is essential for the success of the bigger picture. Right. You know, but so many people want to be the one. Right. Where it's like, you know, maybe you're a good number eight. Maybe that's where you're best at. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's where you can be the most influential in the bigger scheme of what the company's trying to kind of uh, accomplish. Sure. No, I can see that. Not everybody can be LeBron James. That's why there's only one LeBron James. That's right. You know? That's right. I mean, mean, that's that's why, you know? And uh, I think it's a combination of like natural born leadership and then just work ethic and and uh, and objectiveness to learn and keep growing and be driven. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, yeah, yeah, you gotta have a yeah. sense of urgency, self driven, self aware. Yeah, you know, like the people that don't tend to succeed are the people that are least self aware. And always the first like point fingers. Well, you have to have emotional intelligence too. Yeah, you, know, you have to be able important. to. Read, you have to be able to read people, and you can't. You can't be in a discussion or lead a meeting and not have some sort of a an idea of what's going on, you yeah. know, from nonverbal, you know, cues or what it may have you. But you you have to have you have to understand, you know, people's emotions, and you have to be able to not manipulate that, but you have to use people. Yeah, you have to where, read people. Yep, and, and uh, certain people can be used differently, and you have to be able to to read that. And mm-hmm. and, and a good leader, I think, has that. That attribute of being a good, having a lot of high emotional intelligence. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, you know, in our parents and grandparents, like, heyday, it was more about, like, what you intellectually could contribute. And I feel like nowadays your emotional intelligence is just as or maybe even more important, you know, when you're trying to get the best out of people. Because the whole notion of, like, being a dick and thinking that's going to make people do the best job that they possibly can is kind of gone. You know? Yeah, and I think there's a time and a place for everything. I think if as a leader, if you, um, you know, sometimes you have to be stern. That doesn't necessarily mean you're being a dick. Right. You might think that he's being, he or she is being a dick, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if you're not doing what you should be doing or your, you know, your work quality is subpar, then I think you do need someone to put a boot in your ass. But at the same time, that same leader needs to have your back when you do, you know, they need to be there to tell you what, what, when you did something good yeah. and they need to be able to have your back with upper management and, uh, yeah. and a good leader balances all those qualities. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. You can't always have, have your foot in someone's ass because eventually, you know, they're, you know. Well, people want to. I think people do a better job when they then when they understand the bigger picture, mm-hmm. and when they understand or not understand, but so much like a team atmosphere is created. So like, if you don't know something, you feel comfortable enough to go get help. Right? Yeah. You know. Yeah, you got to build a good. You have to build a culture that's uh, you know that's not afraid to uh, that's not afraid to ask questions. That's not yeah. afraid. You know, open door policy. Yeah. You know, at, at the end of the day, though, too, if, if if you're not if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, and even if you are, but it's subpar, I mean, it's it's glaring. They're going to see it. Management's going to know, mm-hmm. you know. So, but yeah, that's a whole other story. There, I guess we can get into a long tangent on the workplace. But well, it's weird. Like the workplace is a weird place to be. It is, you know. Yeah. And uh, this the whole idea is weird because you kind of go to school as a kid and. And you go, 
because you're supposed to go. Right. But when you look at the bigger picture, like, school really preps you to go into the workforce and be a worker. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to come in the morning, you're going to get a little break in the middle, and then you're going to go home at night. And then, yeah. you know, that time's, you know, for you, and you can do what you want. But, you know, from whatever, you know, 9 to 5, this is what this is what it's like. Sure. Um, and I think school really preps people for that. And so that's why we kind of have a lack of, like, entrepreneurs, and and you don't see a ton of like CEOs and, and things of that nature, like natural born leaders, because school kind of teaches you to be a follower. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, a flower sprouts through the concrete, Yeah, you know, and sometimes people that really fail at school are actually phenomenal leaders because sure. they can think outside of the box. Yeah. So say not everybody's, not everybody's design, you know, it's not meant for everybody to go to college and mm-hmm. graduate and then, you know, take the proper, there's no proper channel. What's the proper channel? It's however, awesome. however you get there. Yeah. You know, it, whatever works for you. Yeah. You I mean, know? you, you got to find the rungs to the ladder and climb and scratch and claw and bare knuckle fight till you get what you want, but you're not going to get there laying on your ass, you know? Yeah. So it's, uh, and not everybody wants it either. You know, yeah. I mean, do you really want to be the CEO of a company and have all? It's, I mean, it's, a CEO of a company is a dumbed down version of the president of the United States. I mean, mm-hmm. you're essentially you're a leader. You're the you know your figurehead, and you're yeah. you know people look up to you for a certain mm-hmm. thing. I would I don't necessarily want that. Yeah. You know, even even on a on a company level, you know, yeah. I want to get paid well. I want to be in management, but do I do I want to have the you know the fate of the company in my hands? Yeah. No, not really. Yeah. But I would like to be my own boss on a on a smaller level. Yeah. You know, so but it's. What could you see yourself doing? What could like I see being myself doing? Boss, yeah. Oh gosh, I don't. I want to do you it have all, a lot man. Of skill sets. Yeah, you know. So well, there's got, a lot of avenues you can go down. I've got a lot of. I've got a, a friend who's a very successful, you know, a business uh, businessman. He's a, a contractor and started his own business, making a, a decent amount of money and putting out a good product. Um, you know, I, consulting has always kind of been in the, in, in the, the forefront of what, what I would do, you know, trying to get into some consulting work. Um, I don't know, man, I'm the kind of person, if I knew what I wanted to do, I wouldn't have joined the army. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone to college twice. You know, I wouldn't have got taken that non-traditional route. Um, I would have done it. Right. So, you know, that's the thing. I, I, I'm a hands-on person. You know, I've, been in the infantry, in the military, I've farmed, you know, I've, I've been in college, I've been in an office setting, and I'm just never satisfied, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I don't mind that. I'd, I'd rather do a hundred different things, you know, than yeah. settle for one thing, yeah. that, you know, that I don't like. I think there's a, like, and not to put people down to like two different categories, but I think there's people that find like their one true passion, and that's what they focus on in life, you know. You kind of see that a lot with like musicians and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then you have other people that want to experience a ton of different things. Yeah. And maybe not just focus on one thing to be like the best at, but they'd rather be really good at a bunch of different stuff. And you're right, exactly right. And I think that there's a balance between work life, you know, stress. And I don't want to spend every waking moment working i want to be able to travel yeah experience you know because at the end of the day you work you work for 30 40 years and retire well my goodness you just worked through you know your heyday yeah you know so i i want to get to the point where i'm financially stable and that i can take off for a month if i want to you know is that going to happen probably not but i'd love it to yeah you know but i'd like to you know travel i mean there's so much to see in the united states and you know outside the united states and that you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to work forty hours a week, 
and be a cog in a machine and 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 travel and and you know and do that. But you, I mean, you can work at it. You yeah. Know, so I think people people will will do what they really want to do. You know. Yeah. And if if you know exploring and seeing different places in the world is really what you want to do, you'll you'll make a way to make that happen. Find a way to make that happen. Sure, and I think people, yeah. and if you're content with just existing and doing, yeah. you know, doing yeah. what you Going do, going to the job, coming that's home, fine. you get a couple of weeks of PTO, and you, yep. you hit the beach, and you sit on your ass for a couple of weeks, and that's that's fine too. That's yeah. fine too. Yeah, it's it's what works for you. Yep. You know, there's some people that can work 70 hours a week and love it. Yeah. You know, they're just fucking going all the time. But sure. Yeah, I mean that's what makes uh. So it makes human beings so interesting because yeah. we're not all the same. We're all the same, but we're not all the same. Right. You know? Yep. Yeah. The human mind is a mystery. It is. It, it's just so weird, you know? It's so weird that, like, two people can live the exact same life. That's what I love about twins. Mm-hmm. You know, you have two people look exactly alike. Same age. But completely, you know... Yep. Completely different life experience. Even if the same things happen to both of them, especially like growing up in childhood. Sure. You know, but they'll interpret it differently. It will affect them differently. Yeah. You know? It's crazy. Yeah. Glad I don't have a twin. It'd be hard. Yeah. You know, you're always in someone's shadow. Yep. And uh, it's probably, at least growing up, probably pretty hard to find like self or like individuality. Sure. You know? Self-image. I'd rather be a middle child like I am. Yeah. Get away with a lot more. Oh, I'm the baby. So Are I you the baby? Murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Well, yes, good deal. Sir. Yeah, this is awesome. You betcha. Yeah. I appreciate you inviting me yeah, on here. thanks for coming down. This yeah. is a kick-ass podcast. You so. betcha. Hopefully there's some good stuff in there. Oh, there's some good stuff. Okay. No, I'm super happy with this one. So, yeah. No, yeah. this is awesome, man. Anytime. Yeah, let, if you want me to come back, I'd love to. Oh, you'll to. be back on. Awesome. Show. Good for deal. Show. Awesome. Have a good one. Peace out, fuckers. <laughs>